gonna kick some ass in the USA. Gonna climb mountain, gonna sew a flag, gonna fly on an eagle. I'm gonna kick some butt, I'm gonna drive big truck, I'm gonna rule this world. I'm gonna kick some ass, I'm gonna rise up, I'm gonna kick a little ass. Try to be as objective as you as, as you can, 
Um, and and at the same time, we still don't know what's happened. Then you get like you know. Uh, news of injuries and things like that that happen, so it's like you never know. And let's also be honest, there's 200 and what 56 players or whatever that get drafted. Um, there's a lot of information you have to digest, and a lot of players that I hadn't even ever heard of, um, even undrafted guys that might have a, a crack at doing something in fantasy football this year. So you're, I just found myself reading and reading and using the old interweb and webbing off into something new and be like, oh, I've never even heard of this guy. Watch some. Watch some tape on him, read up on what people are thinking, look at the combine, and then you're like, oh my god, this guy's going to have some opportunities. So, um, anyway, that's behind us, but that, we're all excited to get that uh, first version of the draft kit out. We're um, changing it up a little bit this year on that draft kit. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it on our next show. We don't have to get too deep in the woods on that, or the weeds, woods, weeds, whatever. I like weed. I like weeds. I like the weeds. <laughs> You, you I, like weed. Weed. I like being in the woods on weed. <laughs> uh, anyway, so basically what we're going to do is we are going to be going off of the NFL Draft Tracker. Um, no, we decided we weren't going to do that. We're going off the NFL Draft Listing. Yes. Close that, that tab on Pro Football Reference. Um, so 2018 NFL Draft Listing, Pro Football Reference. And we'll just be going down. Covering, um, going through the players that are drafted uh, in order, in specialty guys, and just kind of have a little chat on whether we think it's a, a good spot and uh, give our own little insight and move on to the next guy and try not to get caught up on too much on one individual guy. I'm sure we'll find at some point in time. Well, what we'll do is we'll do the first hour of the show will be the first uh, Four six guys. guys. <laughs> Four. Four guys, it'll be five. I was trying to give us the benefit of the doubt there. Wishful thinking on my part. And then the rest of the show, all of us will be, if you can see us, circling our hand in motion like, we got to hurry up, we got to hurry up, we're going to be for eight hours. And it's hilarious if anybody was like looking in from like another window in, in your in your big building here, they'd be like, why are these guys doing the hustle? <laughs> I'm sure oh. people do look in. Uh, That's and, an old and, ass reference. And, <laughs> <laughs> is that like, what, else, what else do you do with that? Is that like some uh, soul train action? Yeah, I think some of these dance moves thing. Yeah, <laughs> a hustle. I like it. All right. So let's. Um, anything else you want to talk besides this that you want to get off your chest? Get into it. Get it. Let's rock it. All right. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, first pick overall, going to the Cleveland Browns. No one knows whether this was Hughes' guy or the front office guy, and everyone's kind of been mum and all on board. We're all, on this, all in on this pick. Um, what do you guys think? I'll start with Stag Party on this one. Do you think uh, Baker Mayfield, um, for Dynasty, has got some projection? Do you think he's got anything going for redraft this year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a big question mark in terms of redraft. Because they brought in Tyrod Taylor. They spent a high-value second-round pick to acquire Tyrod Taylor. So he's the bridge quarterback. Does that mean he gets 10 games? Or if he you know, surprises and gets a few more wins, a guy like Hugh, who's got you know one in the last two years, that means he's going to have to stick with Tyrod. That means this guy could not get a start this whole season. So if you look at it, it is not a hot landing spot uh, for redraft purposes. Dynasty purposes, it's good. Because if you look at it the other way, he's going to get some time to develop. But also, if, if you know Tyrod struggles around week 8 to week 10, this guy is going to be in the lineup getting you know 30 to 35 pass attempts a game under Todd Haley. Uh, you know, a very good offensive coordinator who's worked with, you know, Big Ben for a long period of time. Uh, so you like that aspect. 
the question is, you know, Hugh Jackson and his overall impact on the offense, even though they say it's going to be minimal, <laughs> you need to sort of, you know, remove him from that situation. And that's something, you know, if the losses pile up, Hugh might be gone, you know, after the season. You could even see Todd Haley come in as their interim coach during the season. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I don't think Hugh is the long-term answer here. I don't, I, I don't know why they extended him if just not to put somebody in a tougher spot. I, I, but if I was a coach coming in, I'd rather have a, a, a say as to, you know, am I the person that you want to groom this quarterback and do I think this is the quarterback that you want to be groomed? I agree that I, I don't – I actually think he gets some play this year in um, in redraft leagues, but it's like I don't think he's one of those guys that you even need to worry about drafting, though, because if he does smell the field, it's not going to be until week seven, week eight, week nine, and at that point in time, you'll be able to pick him up off of the waiver wire. So um, I agree, though, on, the, on the, the longer-term prospects I like. And the other problem that I don't like so much about this year is tell me really who his weapons are. Outside of Jarvis Landry, who are his weapons that he has? Josh, Josh Gordon. Better than Josh Gordon. David and Joku, who's yeah, probably Joku's, better than Jarvis Landry. Joku's well, ridiculous. that's where it's going to have to come from. Corey Coleman was a first, was a top 15. I understand, well, this, this, but this is the point. You I have, love his weapons. You have all of these guys that were all highly drafted guys. Is Landry the guy that really just seals the whole thing together and, and, and solidifies them? I don't know that that's the case. You know, and I think that they're going to also have another. I, I, Gordon's the interesting one. I mean, as long as he stays healthy and on the field, he makes a major impact for whoever's a quarterback. But here's what I'll say: same thing goes with Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman is on the field; he produces. This has been going on. He's basically been injured nonstop since he came to the league. But when he plays, he's getting it done. I think what what truly will happen is Landry is going to be more of a decoy and just kind of uh, open things up. I, in the slot a bit, but there's too many guys. I think all of I don't really like any. You've run receivers. into another problem. That problem being Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson's not a guy that's going to slant the game to be. We're gonna we're gonna throw the ball out. And Tyrod Taylor. Exactly. Problem. Here's a guy that only what threw, attempted about 14, 15 passes a game per game last year. A little Quite bit more, a bit than, more that. than that. Okay. Twenty eight, but but well, still completed well, like fourteen or fifteen passes a game. That that's is, true. Yes. So he's not – look, I just look at this, and you look at what they did at running back by bringing in Carlos Hyde. We're already talking long in the first guy. So. Uh, Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb, you know, this is – again, these are like Hugh Jackson-type guys, and he wants to be able to feature the run game. So um, they got a lot of weapons. Duke Johnson still there. I don't, great season Duke last Johnson year. is a guy that, that will be good, but at the same time, if you're talking about make, Baker Mayfield – I think it takes a little bit of time. I like the prospects further down the road. Deep is not bad, but deep is sort of bad for fantasy football because people are all drafting these guys highly. Let's talk about they're drafting three running backs from the Cleveland Browns in the first seven rounds. Wow. That's in redraft leagues and MFL 10s. Like, that shouldn't be happening. No way. Like, so something's going to go awry there. You know, one of these two receivers isn't going to get a target share that he's used to in Jer- Josh Gordon or Jarvis Landry. And, and if they both do get big target shares, that leaves guys like Njoku and Duke Johnson, you know, fleeing their targets. So it's tough all around for the offense when you have this many pieces for projection-wise and for fantasy football-wise. But it's great for a young quarterback that doesn't have to key in on one guy and can play to his strengths. So if he wants to be short with Jarvis Landry or he wants to be sort of the vertical pass threat he had with Josh Gordon. So the question then becomes, and this is, I think, the question, 
because it's who's your coach, right? So hot or not landing spot for this year, it's definitely not for me because it's Hugh Jackson. Because if Baker Mayfield plays, it's going to look a lot like Mitchell Trubisky did with John Fox as head coach. We're not going to be like Deshaun Watson and what they were doing in Texas, letting the guy just go and, and be himself. Well, the only thing I think, and it goes back to what Stag said at the beginning, like they're saying that Haley... He's got the experience. He's been running offenses for uh, major offenses for the last 15 years. Uh, Before that, Kansas City. uh, I forget the team before. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, obviously, last time we said that. He's also in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, he's, 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 he's got it dialed in. So here's the question I got. Can Baker Mayfield be the week one starter? Can he go in there and just let it? I know they gave him a second round pick, which why did they do that? They could have gotten A.J. McCarron for nothing. Uh, a guy that they tried to trade for a second-round pick. Don't talk sense to the Browns. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But they didn't. It seems so weird. If they had the number one, which they knew they had, they knew they were going with quarterback, why did you trade a second-rounder for Tyrod? Anyway, can Baker Mayfield beat out Tyrod Taylor week one sure. purely on, on on his play? The way... You're a number one draft pick. If he goes out there and Tyrod is, is not commanding the huddle, is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and Mayfield comes in and everything just seems to flow, it's a potential. Is it likely? I'd say less than 10%. But I mean, he can most certainly walk in from day one and become a team leader, and that's the way you really get on the field early as a quarterback. You know, Hugh Jackson talks about this guy being fucking the Pied Piper and riling up his teammates and them going, woohoo, whenever he, like, walks into a locker room. That's something that riles guys up and gets your teammates, you know, on your side. And when they're on your side, it's hard for them to go with somebody else, especially, you know, if it's a guy like Mike Lennon, who you paid $15 million for and he's underperforming for the first, you know, six weeks of the season. So, it's definitely an impact. Here's the one thing to think about is the only guy that's been the first pick in the last over the last decade plus that's been the first pick of the draft and been a quarterback that didn't start week one was Jared Goff. Basically, if you're a first pick, what happens? You're starting week one. There's just so much pressure from your fan base, from the upstairs office, and the expectations are just off the charts. So, so you uh, think he's going to start? No, I don't. I don't think he should. I think they should just take their lumps and whatever it is, it is, and Tyrod, let him do his thing and get some get some wins. Change the culture in that way. I don't think he. I think the team just needs to start winning a little bit. I think the way Tyrod can manage a game, he's you know he's a winner. He doesn't try, turn over the ball. I think the stats for him, only Tom Brady's got like a better touchdown to interception ratio than he does over the last three or four years. So. Let them win, change the culture, but at a certain point, if things don't go and you're not in the hunt and you're, you got two wins in week 10, at that point, you kind of got to see what you got and hope that those first, uh, you know, those first three months um, in, in full practice with the guys and just kind of let it rip and say, all right, we're playing for next year. Let the guy learn um, Garoppolo style or whatever last year, even though I know he wasn't a rookie even close. But all right, let's move. Uh, one thing I want to say in watching the OTAs uh, video today. Him wearing number six, Baker Mayfield. He, he kind of looks like Bobby Brister. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Brister. Like There's Bobby man. Brister. He's he, maybe Bobby Brister in like three years. He's not as portly as Bobby Brister, um, but he's only a freshman, so he'll get his freshman uh, 15. <laughs> and I expect in a couple years when he bolts up a little bit, he'll, he'll look more like Bubs. Um, all right, let's move on to the next guy, and that's going to be Sam 
Oh no, we'll go Saquon Barkley. All right, this is gonna be tough for me. I, I, I had it by, posi- by a position. Um, okay, so go to uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, is it Saquon or is it Saquon? Saquon. Saquon. Okay, nice. Saquon. Um, Saquon Barkley to the New York Giants. Yeah, you got, you got. I don't know how you can't love it. It's hot. It's it's everything that you want. You're you're putting a rookie running back into a situation where he's surrounded by skill players. He's got a veteran quarterback. They are. He doesn't have any competition, right? Was it Jonathan Stewart that's there? Wayne Goldman. Uh, you know, th- these are guys who are going to be more complimentary guys to uh, Saquon Barkley, and he can do it all. He can catch out of the backfield. He can he can run. You know, and I think he can. He's probably should be a pretty good blocker, and that's going to be the key. But you you think about like these hot seasons that we've seen out of uh, out of rookie running backs. He's going to give you one, and and the thing is, it's like I don't know where you guys exactly have him in your tiers. I have him currently as my number six running back, uh, but I think he's being projected as being like a top, like around eight or nine pick in redraft leagues right now. He is the seventh overall running seventh. back taken, okay. but it is like the eighth, ninth, tenth pick in drafts. I got to see my eighth, my eighth running back. Yeah, I think and I'm that was six. hard. I, I, I had he kept. It was one of those things. He kept moving up for me. I like had him in at fifteen, and then I kept. Just kept everyone kept moving down while he kept moving up. So yeah, this opportunity about if 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 OBJ can stay healthy this year and Eli Manning can pull his fucking head out of his ass <laughs> for a few, at least a few of the games, and maybe even Barkley's better with Eli's head in his ass, and they're just like, you know what, you suck. We're just gonna hand the ball off and have you dump these uh, low low um, risk plays. Maybe that's a better thing for him. But if he, if, if the team and the offense around him can get going, they're just going to have to deal with so many people that it, it, Barkley's just going to have a field day. Well, and, and don't you think I'll, I'll let you I'll throw it to you, Stank, on this? But I, I, I kind of feel like they're going to try to run everything through Barkley, and the, because of his extra abilities, then you don't then you can his extra committing of a linebacker coming in now opens up Evan Ingram for a big play here. Now you get the different committals. If you can get them to be focusing and knowing that you're going to be power running at them, and that draws that extra defender, you create so many more one-on-one matchups, and you have the skill players to win. Yeah, plus, you know, Pat Shermer taking over at head coach. He's a guy who likes to use his running backs. We saw it last year in Minnesota. You know, those guys were heavily involved in both the rush and the pass game. So he knows how to get this guy on islands in mismatches. Uh, it's great. Like, he should have exactly, like, if not better, he should have a Kareem Hunt, like, first season. Like, it's hard not to see him, you know, putting up numbers like that. And he should be, you know, treated as such. If, if You know, even in drafts, you could draft him over Kareem Hunt. And, and there's not much I could say to argue with you. It's probably about the same. Like, they're separated by, like, three to four points in my projections right now. So it, it looks up for Saquon Barkley, and I don't think there's any arguing that he's 101 in rookie drafts and there's no one else that's really in the conversation. One thing about Barkley, obviously he was an underwear Olympics, you know, Maven, uh, highest draft running back in how long? 12, 15 years, something like that. Crazy thing that I did uh, here on a podcast the other day is Penn State's the only school to have three top three running backs taken in the NFL draft. Remember they had Blair uh, Thomas, Blair Thomas yeah, and then they by had the Jets, Kijana Carter, oh. and and Saquon Barkley. They by far Penn State has high draft picks. Well, you realize the Bears three. took Curtis Linus at number four. 
Yeah, and even some other players that have been high up there too. But crazy the way that team. So, but his stats last year, and when you look at the numbers and compare them to other people, is it just the body and is it just the athleticism? Is it just the pro mind centric kind of body and what you see and what could be, or because his his resume and his stats in college, they don't they're not that amazing where he it just should be an unresounding. Yes, this guy should be a top ten pick. I mean, the stats are damn good. They're damn good. I'm not saying they're not, but they're not all fucking amazing. But the thing is, like, that's a spread offense meant to create mismatches, and you know those mismatches are now different in the NFL. You know, with the tighter uh, hash marks, now you can get this guy on the edge a little easier. It's tighter formations, and now you're putting him on mismatches against linebackers. And the ability he showed as a pass catcher in college is almost unheard of out of the backfield. So he was dominating in that area while not being asked to be, you know, just the runner. So his ability to do more things is what makes him the most interesting. Can I say, I guess worried about that, um, as uh, Charlie No Surf would say, Turnstile uh, offensive line. In it's the gotten better. They gotten better. They, think they should only have one returning starter on that offensive line. And they so, over they overpaid. Uh, Solder, yeah. Solder. Uh, well, good. If, 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 that, if that's the way it's going to be, and I think one of the things I want to pinpoint and talk about. We won't do it right now because we'll get, keep moving on the players. But just what you just said with the passing game and the way with projecting and and and, and looking at the college game. And the pre-draft scouting for running backs has completely changed, and it has to because the game. It used to be how many care, how many yards they, they care, can do, they rushes, 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 and it's just completely changed because the game has completely changed. And we'll talk about that yeah. when we get to a shot of fucking penny. Cool, exactly, and it's just so much different. Where I don't think that the positions are. Now, I think the day of thinking the positions undervalued. Is going to is on is, is swinging and turning around the pendulum, so to speak, with Barkley. So, all right, let's go to the next guy, number oh shit, number three, Sam Darnold to the Jets. I mean, Sam Darnold gets a not hot for you know year one impact. Uh, it, it's like a hat hot, and then dynasty. It, it sort of helps. He gets Josh McCown who's, you know, a great locker room veteran who knows what's happening. He gets a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who's been through, you know, some trials and tribulations and can kind of explain the hardships of the NFL to him. But the thing is, Teddy Bridgewater looks good. So maybe he ends up being the starter over a guy like Josh McCown. And then Sam Darnold's, you know, the number three quarterbacks on game days for a while. We've got to remember, this guy is young. He's 21 years old. If he... You know, started week one of the NFL season, he would be one of the youngest starting quarterbacks in the last 25 years at the quarterback position. So this is a guy you can take a little bit of time with because if he gets a start, you know, later in the season, it'll look good for him. And, you know, the weapons around him, you know, they're sort of few and far between. You're looking at, like, Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell at running back. But then you have, you know, maybe an ascending Robbie Anderson, and you have a young wide receiver core around that. As you know, they grow up. 
Did I say Chris Ivory? Oh, they're the same fucking player, so. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You said that. Isaiah Crowell instead of Chris Ivory. My bad. Same guy. Um, but you, you look at that, and the other weapons besides Robbie Anderson, no one's really produced on the football field. You know, you got Ordarius Stewart and Chad Hansen at wide receiver, and, and they provide a lot of question marks. So I got a question for you. Do you think if Robbie Anderson doesn't get the ball thrown to him by um, Darnold very often, he's going to come back to huddle like, I jizzed in your girlfriend's eye last night. It's definitely a possibility. You can say it to a cop. Is he going to get suspended at all by the league or not? I'd, well, they threw out the charges, apparently, so now it's going to look more like a two-game rather than a four. There must have been Jets fans, these cops. Yeah, it's a good question. It was in Florida. Objection! Hearsay! <laughs> I have, I'm, I wanted, I'm asking you honestly, because I have Robbie Anderson as my 25th wide receiver. That guy, he's super, super good, but I'm just worried that... Uh, I have him projected to lose two games and still be pretty fucking good, so... It's something you can weather, a two-game. Okay. Four-game gets a little bit tougher to where you start to knock him down to, like, wide receiver four or five range. But you can still draft him like that right now. People are scared of the uncertainty, so they're holding off on drafting Robbie Anderson. But Darnold, you know, I think he's got a bright future ahead in the long term. In the short term, you know, it's probably hard to see that guy starting more than six games. I think they're going to go with a lot of, you know, veteran starts this year. I think they don't want to expose him, right? And they know that they're not going to be a very good team anyway, so let him, let the team have some continuity before you bring him in. You're going to get his teeth wet for probably the last five or six games because you got to see something of what you've gotten him and what you're looking toward the future for. And ideally, you're going to get another higher-end draft pick next year that you can add to the coffers to help him, uh, you know, and whether that most likely is probably going to be someone at the running back position. So. Do you guys think uh, in redrafts he's pretty much undraftable? In Dynasty, Dini, are you, are, you, are you liking him in a, in a keeper league? Would you take a flyer on him in a super late round in a deep draft by thinking that he's going to be definitely, he's definitely going to be the uh, starter next year and be viable, be a good player? Yeah, so keeper league, yeah, I, I, I'd throw one of my last round picks on that. Dynasty league with, with uh, rookie drafts, he's a guy, if you could stash him, you definitely want him. Have I, you done any of your drafts in your time? I have Sam Darnold. So you had, where'd you have to grab him? I grabbed him with the, the uh, fourth pick. Fourth pick. So when Baker Mayfield, uh, Saquon Barkley went first, then Baker Mayfield went second, Josh Rosen went third, and then I took Darnold. So I two quarterbacks. Like, I almost like Darnold. I wanted Rosen. I wanted Rosen. You wanted Rosen? <laughs> yeah, I did. But it's just the team. I think Rosen's got the better, we'll talk about him, but he yeah. has a better chance for this year. But Darnold, I think, he's that amazing talent. I think, especially for the Jets, realizing that Everyone pretty much projected that Darnold should have been the number one. Yeah. So when they went Baker Mayfield, it kind of like fell into their lap. And now you have a chance to really invest in a guy and feel confident about it. You know, it's one of those things as a how you feel about a guy just based on what how how you got him. I think it helps. One thing I say about Darnold, just in the limited games I've uh, in tape, games I watched live and the tape I've watched on, it seems the great ones. Make it look effortless, and I feel like Baker Mayfield still has some of these traits as well. So I'm not, not. There's nothing against Baker Mayfield, but Sam Darnold, the way when a play breaks down, and the way he kind of makes it look effortless, his throwing, his arm strength, like the whole, the whole package. He's not a mobile guy, but he kind of really has awareness in the pocket. Though that's a guy that I think long term. Obviously, if the team always sucks, 
it's going to be hard for him. But he, he's just got that. I feel like it, it feels like it's all he's been. He's a natural quarterback. Well, you make a great point because he actually played uh, behind a poor offensive line in college, and he was running for his life. And so that is. And you, that does a lot to a quarterback psyche, right? So it's not like he's a guy that's coming into the NFL that's just been sitting in a in a, in a, a perfect cup of a pocket and just being <laughs> able just to to do whatever he wants for 12, 14 seconds. That hasn't been the case. Yeah. And I'll have a case of Val Verdes. Oh uh, no, pop. <laughs> Josh Allen has definitely gone down on Twitter uh, in his life, um, and he's our next player. I think we covered Sam. Uh, Buffalo went and got their guy. Their uh, 6'5 player, kind of draft day, looked a little bit iffy with uh, weird news coming out, but he really didn't slide at all. I think he went exactly where we thought he was going to go. Buffalo Bills, they got their guy, uh, and Josh Allen are – when you got AJ McCarron in front of him, you got Nate Peterman, uh, Peterman or Peterson? Peterman. Peterman. Jay Peterman, Callen. Yeah, you got him. That is weird. I was thinking. And they have Chris Ivory. I drove. I was driving on the highway today, today, and I drove by a Penske truck, and I was just thinking about. I was thinking about Seinfeld, and then I was thinking about the Jay Peterman catalog. It's weird the way things will spark that in you. Uh, Stag party. Josh Allen. Does he have a chance of getting on the field this year? Uh, is he the third quarterback? Can you He's, tell me those two names again? AJ McCarron <laughs> and Nate Peter. Yeah, yeah. You think he starts Look, week one? N- not week one, but can you get on the field over AJ McCarron at some point? Absolutely. Like, we're not talking about much. Is he the number one over Nate Peter? Did Nate you see Peter play last year? I did. He had, didn't he have a record for most yes. interceptions. Didn't he have five interceptions and six throws? Something like that. <laughs> I think it was six but, interceptions and five throws. But, <laughs> but just so it's down quickly, one time with leagues, but I, you know, I'm in that must-start rookie league, and in the it wasn't in the playoffs, but in an important game, my buddy started him as, as his rookie just on the upside. I forget who he did it over, but it was a kind of a good player, and he ended up literally having like negative eight points for the guy <laughs> in that game. <laughs> um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen is... You know, the ultimate, you know, NFL quarterback in terms of measurables and arm strength. And there are guys talking about how they have never seen an arm like his and, and those type of things. But accuracy is still the number one trait you want in a quarterback. And that's just something he's lacking right now. So he is going to be this raw version. So I think at least getting him a few weeks on the bench to, you know, learn uh, is going to be good for him. AJ McCarron's, you know, started a few games in the NFL and, and had moderate success. So, you know, McCarron's probably going to get a few. But if I had to best bet on who has the most starts among rookie quarterbacks, I think the money's got to be on Josh Allen. And yeah, if, if he does, he's probably going to throw a couple touchdown passes. But those are going to also come with interceptions, and they're going to come with a lot of growing pains. But you know, that could be best for the long-term, you know, future of the franchise. Long-term, I'm not going to be investing any picks into him unless it's 
late in a super flex uh, where I have to have two QBs and I just need somebody sort of viable. He's just not the type of guy I want on a roster. Um, I don't think he's viable for this year. I don't think he's viable for the future. I'm not. I, I don't like him. I don't like him either. And, and, and the landing spot, I, I don't know that it could be any more atrocious. I mean, the only thing that you got there of any value is LaShawn McCoy, uh, but that doesn't really help the quarterback when he's just going to be handing the ball off from that many times. The problem is, especially with poor accuracy and the thing in, the, in college, is you've got, you've got bay windows to throw through. In the NFL, you have portholes to throw through. So you have to be so much more accurate. And the other problem is you need a wide receiver that can get separation. So who on this on this ragtag bunch of Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, oh, Jeremy yeah. Curley, uh, who else? Deontay Thompson Deontay. is the guy who can get separation. Okay. And then you got all the old retreads they, they got around there from uh, Oakland. You got Rod Streeter and you got Andre Holmes. Like, Who's 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 really making a difference for him? I don't see it. Yeah. Charles Clay, and we know Clay's just yeah average. Yeah. Okay, he'll right. catch passes, but you know, is Josh Allen a guy who's going to target the tight end as heavily as Tyrod Taylor do? That's something we don't know. Uh, that, that's all I really got to say on Josh Allen, man. Yeah, I think the completion percentage. I think never really being the he wasn't even like first team or even second team in his own conference in college. At JUCO, I remember Evan Silva tweeting out something back in the day pre-draft where he was the 50. He was ranked 57 out of 58 quarterbacks in completion percentage in his JUCO conference. Also, <laughs> also dating all the way back to high school. College. Like accuracy has been a problem dating back to high school. And, you know, this isn't a guy who got any big offers. He went to JUCO and then he went to Wyoming and didn't get a big offer out of JUCO. So there's a lot of concerns there for me with Josh Allen, but uh, he can throw a mile, and he obviously we even saw in the, that last throw he did that either his pro, I think it was actually it wasn't the uh, um, combine that last throw he did where they said it was 80 yards in the air. He's got that, but that there's only so many plays that you can do on that, and I think. Just I remember Bucky Brooks being like, watching him, he was never the best player on the field in any of his games in a, comp, in a, in a, a subpar conference. He never, ever won a big game. He never – all these things, he just doesn't have the intangibles that I think he needs. Is, is he the next Ryan Leaf? Ryan Mallon. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Um, all right, let's go to our next player. But before we do that, do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Sweet. All right, we're going to um, go to the next player. Uh, nine mistakes were made ahead of this guy. I agree with that. <laughs> Josh Rosen to the Arizona Cardinals out of UCLA. Um, you talked about him a little bit earlier, so um, you go first. Well, I, I just think that he got a knock on him. They're like, oh, he's too smart. He's just not going to want to play football. It, it sounded to me like I was reading Moneyball, watching Moneyball, the whole bit about oh, how, how attractive is his girlfriend. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> well, i got to see what kind of, you know, stuff that doesn't have any bearing on anything. And this guy is a solid, solid-ass player. He's smart. And you talk about, did you get a good fit? I think he got a really good fit. He got a great fit. You got David Johnson, who's there in the backfield. You got Sam Bradford, who may be ahead of you for now, but we all know. Sam Bradford is going to fold, bend, break in about three weeks, so he'll have his opportunities. Or, and, and then you also you got Larry Fitzgerald, uh, 
who is just all world. It's a, it's a greatest person that a young quarterback could probably have as a wide receiver. I understand it's age 35, but it's still about teaching him how to do things the right way, right? Ron's 35. And you want to talk about the guy that I really like that they got, though, uh, that's going to be him growing up with is Christian Kirk. So that's going to be a real exciting thing, too. So you have the blend of the old and the young, but you've got explosive players, and, and you're in, I think, um, a division that the Rams are, are, the, are the team to beat right now, but you could easily make a case that Arizona could quickly become that second team in this division. My question is, is Josh Rosen ever really better than a peak Sam Bradford? Like, is that maybe his ceiling? Like, has he already peaked? Is he ever going to be more? Is he just going to be the guy who's the most pro-ready, can come out, you know, today, complete 63 to 64% of his passes, you know, throw 25 to 28 touchdowns with, you know, 13 or 14 picks, you know, and end up with, like, an Andy Dalton-like career, like, just starting, 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 being pretty much a, a league-average quarterback. And, you know, for a team like Arizona who doesn't have a long-term answer at the position, I think it's a great investment for them to make. But I also slightly disagree on the strength of their weapons because Larry Fitzgerald is age 35, and eventually the tires are going to fall off even for the great ones. It happened to Rice. It happened to Terrell Owens. It happened to Randy Moss. It's happened to all of these guys. It didn't really happen to Terrell Owens. The league just hated him. They didn't learn they, they didn't, they didn't that. But it, did, it did with Rice, but he was 40. And it did happen to Chad Ochocinco. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of guys who no. reach their mid-30s, and the wheels just sort of fall off. Now, Larry Fitzgerald playing in the slot and being a precise rouse runner and catching everything you know that's ever thrown to the man, that probably gives him a little bit longer leash and longer window in the NFL, in my estimation. But it also helps Rosen more, too, being the slot receiver where he's not having to worry about those outside throws sure. and make an easier throw to a sure-handed but guy. But you've got a guy like Christian Kirk, too, who yeah. played – you know, a majority mm-hmm. of his snaps out of the slot. So how do they balance having two slot players on the field at all times? Um, so are you going to see him on the field a lot, or are you going to get these other outside receivers who are, you know, unproven to say the least? Are you going to get a lot of Ricky Seals-Jones, who's unproven but, you know, showed some upside and is a converted wide receiver himself? Well, I think one thing – I think a lot of the – there's a lot of teams out there that were scared because of those brains – and his parents are come from Princeton and these crazy schools, and he's a smart guy. But I think more, I think the, the issue, and I think there are a lot of kind of uh, athletic, dumb, not tired, what's the word, I'm like, the bullheaded, thickheated kind of sport guys meatheady, that, meat that would be scared of that guy. That makes sense. Let's say that's half the league. But I think the real uh, thing and the thing that kept driving through to me is what Ross Tucker was always talking about uh, leading up to the draft. With, with the fact that, um, and I'll even just give the quote, I can't believe more people aren't talking about the fact that Josh Rosen had two concussions last year at UCLA. One, he missed a game, and the other, he missed a whole month. And the, the talking is, he is smart. He's got those concussions. He's got... He can have a life outside of the NFL. He's going to get guaranteed, let's say, $25, $30 million already. Off. Maybe it went down a bit by being the 10th pick. But let's say let's say he can play for four years in the league. He's got $25 million. In his, in, and then at that point, how many concussions is he going to play through? And that was Ross Tucker's whole thing um, 
And I think that's the point that with me, that the only thing that worries me about Josh Rosen, I think he loves the game. I think he's smart. I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, I think everything's great with him. But that concussion thing meets that the ability to do a lot of good outside of the league, especially when you're sitting on 25 mil, um, that's my only fear with him. But I like Stag's point, and I agree with you. Is his ceiling anything that greater than the healthy Bradford? But we haven't really seen that. If we had seen that 16-game season with Bradford, it's pretty dope. I think he would have been amazing. But that also now he's been in the league. Again, like, what, I, I, just, I think that Rosen, is, as more than any guy, has been just pigeonholed into this is what you are. Well, let's see what he is. I, I, I agree with you. I just worry about those concussions. Yeah, and it's not just concussions. He's had injuries to his throwing shoulder and, like, dislocation, required surgery. Uh, you know, these things happen. And when they're your, you know, throwing shoulder, that's not great, especially when you're sort of a slender, slender frame guy. Like, those things happen. So injury history and, you know, just the overall, you know, we know he's going to get in there eventually. I, just don't, I, just I don't, don't feel the upside. I hope he's not the other guy that was, like, telling everyone they made a mistake when they passed on him and took him as the last quarterback, also from UCLA. Um, you don't remember? Kay no? Yes. <laughs> My buddy Listener plays golf with him all the time. He says he's a cool guy. Uh, That's great. He was a horrible quarterback. Horrible quarterback. Quarterback. God, I hated that punk. Um, Let's go to DJ Moore, drafted by the Carolina Panthers with the 24th overall pick. You know, he's a guy who's going to be very, very interesting from Cam Newton throwing him the football. He's a guy that is going to be uh, redraft this year, yes. Long-term, yes. For what they have going on right now, it's young talent. He is going, you know, does Devin Funches scare you that Funches is going to be the number one guy there? DJ Moore is going to be the number one guy there. Uh, the other guy... That but what does that mean? The number one guy there is like being the number one guy in Buffalo. It, does, it, it doesn't hold that much weight. You know, I, I think Cam Newton, I think, what are the numbers? That he's, he's, had a, he's had a number one, wide receiver number one. The last time he did that was 2011. Right, but he has thrown for 4,000 yards before. I know, okay. but, I know but he does it all around. I, I, I understand, but at the same time, look at the guys that he had. He had the lumbering Kelvin Benjamin and these type of things. So at least what D.J. Moore brings to you, though, is not only can he go downfield, he's, he's a guy that's a volume catch guy. Right? How many catches did he have at Maryland last year? Uh, so here's a guy that you can count on consistently for, do I need those clutch third down receptions or things like that, or are you going to go to in those situations? Because I think the other guy that could have potentially taken some of that thunder away, except here, another one who can't get on the field, keeps getting hurt, is Curtis Samuel. So, you know, that's where, but Samuel is, is a guy that's not going to play in the same position. Yeah, I think Samuel's going to help him. Samuel's a slot, right? And well, Samuel can play outside, but yeah. you know he's a converted sort of running back and played you know a hybrid running back wide receiver role. So he's just a weapon. But if you could turn him into your vertical threat on the outside with Benjamin possessing on the outside, you know, running his digs and curls, and then DJ Moore running drags and slants, you know, over the middle, it's going to be great for the offense. I think it's a boost for Cam Newton. But overall, I think year one, it's probably limited impact in terms of, you know, how many targets can go around. You've got Devin Funches, who, you know, had over 100 targets last year. You've got Greg Olson, who's had over 100 targets before. you got Christian McCaffrey, who's had over 100 targets before. Uh, 
you know, previously. And these are all guys who like to work the short areas of the field and, you know, underneath. There is one other glaring problem, and I'll give it to you, is that Cam doesn't normally throw – he's not going to throw for 40 touchdowns. (laughs) So uh, the other thing that you have to keep in mind, I think DJ Moore is uh, definitely a play next year, but – PPR league becomes a much better play than he does in standard leagues. Well, I'm not going to put you on the spot, so I'm going to say one thing here. But if you could pull up your projections for DJ Moore while I say this, that'll help. Just because I kind of agree with you. Year one, I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to help the team. Maybe what do you, what do you call a gravity player? Um, you know, but I, I just don't see him coming out of his rookie season like even close to a thousand yards, like anything over five touchdowns. But I do think long-term, and even looking at him, even in that, like, pro that f- photo day for the NFL, like, seeing him in his jersey, where I didn't feel like Samuel, I felt like Samuel last year looked like a high schooler. Even while he was playing games, like, God damn, that guy is small. This guy is fucking, looks like he's ready to go against these pro guys at 6 feet, 210. I love, I love him big time. I'm just in a redraft league. I'm not think he's not going to bring you anything. Yeah, I mean, I've got him for 88 targets, but I also have you know Devin Funches for you know 110 to 120. Maybe he takes a little bit more of that, or you know Greg Olson at 108, Christian McCaffrey at 93. The thing is, offenses rarely have four players with like 95 plus targets. It's rare for an offense to have three players with 95 plus targets. It happens to like four teams a year. So we're talking about, you know, pushing the envelope for a guy who seems to like to spread the ball around and who, you know, enjoys running more than any other quarterback in the league. And then they've got a better running back, and this might have been what you just were going to say. And C.J. Anderson, C.J. Anderson this year is better, in my opinion, um, than Jonathan Jonathan Stewart. Over his last four seasons, uh, no, I'll agree with that. But the other problem is running ball more too. Yeah, but DJ Moore's problem is Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey is a guy who's going to catch a lot more balls out of the backfield than anybody else. Uh, and Samuel, year. yeah, but Samuel again is going to be more playing a, a, a wide receiver more than he's going to be playing the running back. You know what I'm going to be playing more of? Mel Murdis. Charlie, what are you trying to tell me? If here. By now, in bad place B, trouble time for you when he comes. Jesus Christ, the kid's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say this quickly. Um, uh, It's a side story, but we were talking about some of the smartest people we know at, uh, at, at my lake house this weekend. Um, in a conversation, I was like, yeah, you went to Emory? I didn't know that. He didn't seem smart. Like, my smartest friend, George Simpson, went there. And he, like, a bunch of, ooh, look at that rainbow. Uh, a bunch of other people were, were <laughs> look at that thing. Check it out. Nice. Thanks. Come on. It's dope. It's going right over the Sears Tower. Um, but uh, he, basically, and then he mentioned an old girl that I hung out with. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to mention names. Like, yeah, so-and-so went to Emory. And while I was hanging out with her, she had me like, help her on some of her shoes in school. And I was helping her, and this is not this is not all that long ago. Um, and I was helping her some of her papers and her writing skills, I was like, and I remember her telling me she went to Emory, which literally my smartest friend went there. It's like a great school in certain capacities. And I remember being like, this girl got into Emory? 
<laughs> oh my god. How, how did that happen? Sorry. <laughs> oh shit. Look at that door, dude. See that door right there? One marked pirate. You think a pirate lives in there? I see a door marked private? Is that, the, is that the door you're talking about? No, I was talking about me. Yeah. I didn't say. No, you, what did you hear? I heard you say you saw a door marked pirate. Yes, yeah, there was a pirate living in there. No, see, that's not what I'm Well, look, are we going to talk about pirates all day? We're going to find out who lives in here. I do like. I got to start watching the show. <laughs> you got a lot of years of episodes. Yeah, I believe. I do really like long term DJ Moore, though. I think he's going to be sure. uh, a great player. So, right in the middle, uh, middle picks of the first round, he should be coming off the board. And if he's the. You know, number one wide receiver off the board. You know, like he was in the NFL draft. I don't think you can complain too much about that. I think the seal of approval, and we'll move on, was that a guy that doesn't give a seal of approval at all, especially anybody that's replacing him or anybody that could play could possibly um, out outperform his legacy is Steve Smith, saying when they drafted him, they got the next me. They got the right guy. This is the perfect dude for it. He's, he's bigger and stronger than, than, maybe not stronger, bigger than uh, Steve Smith, but just a great pick uh, in that regard. And I think that's uh, a good a good testimonial to have. Let's go to a terrible pick in Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I, I don't, I, number terrible. one, how many times is Baltimore going to keep picking tight ends highly? It's unreal. It makes no sense. That's why this this was the last draft ever. I'm about to We're going to let him out because we literally drafted at draft um, capital of tight ends for our franchise for the last 15 years is higher than every other team's added together. So Hayden Hurst is a former college base or a former pro baseball prospect who you know now is going to be a 25 year old rookie in the NFL. You look at that, uh, you look at his production, you know, at the collegiate level, where he caught just three receiving touchdowns in his career and had one rushing touchdown. Um, and, you know, you compare it to a guy like Mike Gusecki, who was uh, heavily involved in his offense, you know, could play a move tight end role. And when you needed that more of a receiving threat, you know, this guy was good. But, you know, for all the crapping on... You know, Baltimore, I can do here. They did follow it up later yeah. in the draft with Mark Andrews, who is that move tight end, and they got him much later than I expected. And, and that's a guy I think could be a mismatch, you know, nightmare. So, but again, Hurst, let's just cover them together right now. Yeah, yeah I, but again, why are you drafting so many tight ends? I think that I think that the last one was Joe the, Flacco. Is <laughs> and, it was Andrews, Lamar Jackson. To be honest, Andrews was a guy that I thought was a great fucking pick by them. Yeah, it, it, this was a big mistake. There's no, there's no question about it. But um, I, I was, I was shocked that Dallas didn't go in and grab Andrews. I was shocked on that. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. I, he seemed like the perfect next step for, uh, for that team. But uh, what? Witten hadn't retired yet, right? <laughs> yes. I think that was one concern. Um, so, so Hayden Hurst is. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not hot on his dynasty landings. Witten had retired. Witten retired before the draft. Was it before the yeah. draft? No. No, it was yeah. after the draft. Like no, it was like two days after two the draft. Day, yeah. Or maybe it was during no, the draft. It was be- right before the no, draft. No, because he was there it, on stage representing the Cowboys as 
a cowboy player. <laughs> no, he, he, he had retired before the draft. The whole Dez, the Dez thing happened. Mm-hmm. What The whole thing you're thinking about is that they dropped Dez, and then they still, it was literally like two days, three days before the draft that went and, uh, at least the, the the announcement surfaced. I remember the whole time thinking, "Why May third? It was May third, which is after the draft. After the draft. But there was there was there was talks. <laughs> hold on, no, hold on. There was right. talks. There was talks. Sure, he was joining this before the draft. There was. He did. Where there's smoke, he did. There's smoke. Actually, there's fire. I remember during the draft being like, "Why are these guys not drafting Andrews?" And they didn't. And then they drafted a, a, a tight end in the sixth round, who was they knew was going to be his replacement. Whether he, he his official announcement was after, but every, the the Cowboys knew he was retiring during the draft. Right. Calvin Ridley. You're looking at me like, wait, hold on. You're looking at me like I'm not right. You're not right. I am right. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you're not right. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tell you the first story, first time. Oh, keep going. You the your, first time there was a rumor. Do your Yeah, I'll do your Ridley. I'll get my the first Twitter that you're joining ESPN. Calvin Ridley. Um. You know, drafted by Atlanta, you know, it, it looks like a great, you know, pick for them because they needed another guy to compliment Julio, a guy who can, you know, be another vertical threat, but also they could throw him the ball underneath and he could do some things and, yeah, you know, potentially run a lot of the routes Taylor Gabriel did, and that, who's now gone with the Chicago Bears. The problem is, you know, number of targets in that offense. You know, you should get a... You know, probably an uptick in running back targets after the mistakes that were made there last season by Sarkeesian. But it's just an interesting sort of fit. Year one, like, it's tough to really see any of these receivers breaking, like, 100 targets this season because of where they landed. So let me, long- so let me, so let me shift it then for you for this year because this is kind of how I look at Ridley. Okay, you're right. The, the target share is not going to be there for him because you have Julio Jones. But the targets that he gets should be better targets, right? As opposed to, like, you know, we just talked about a DJ Moore, who you're coming in and you're pretty much almost anointed as the best receiver on the team. Defenses are not going to game plan for Ridley. So the question being, can you see there being two to three weeks where Ridley goes off for 120 yards and a touchdown? I don't know about 120 yards and a touchdown. That seems like real big games, but... uh... I can see a few weeks where he's, you know, catches a big 50-yarder and then catches two more uh, and ends up with 80 or 90 yards in a touchdown. I can see a couple of those games. Like, Taylor Gabriel even had a couple of those games. That, that's those were all under Kyle Shanahan. But Mohamed Sanu also took a pretty big step forward for them last year. And I don't see him, you know, disappearing from the offense. No, but I do see that they will want to integrate Ridley as quickly as possible and the thing that I just like about it is that I, I just you're right. Maybe they're maybe 120 is being aggressive, but I think he has at least one of those games in him. And I think that's what I'm looking for. If I'm going to go for the rookie guy, do I? I think on the low end, uh, on an average day for him, he'll end up with like four catches for like 42 yards, right? Uh, that's a big, big season when you extrapolate four for 42. I don't see him. You know, 50, is he doing that, that on six, six 60, targets? 64 is he doing that on six targets? Six and a half? Because that's 100 targets on the season. All right, just so you guys know, yeah. you're both wrong. Sports Illustrated called Jason Witten retiring on the 27th. And the first day of the NFL draft was April 26th. Got it. Doesn't matter. I'm not saying they had to take it. They could have gotten uh, Andrews, who I wanted them to get. Yeah. In, in, okay. In day two. Fair enough. So okay. we're both right and okay. wrong at the same time. 
Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I never thought they because would. I never said they should have taken a tight end in the first round. But they knew Witten was retiring while they were drafting, and they yes. were letting Andrews and everyone except for the first round bid go, and they were just like, not drafting. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Here's a quick Twitter quote on it from Clarence Hill Jr. Cowboys were not prepared for Jason Witten to retire. The irony is he blindsided them late in the process like they did Des Bryant. What will make you laugh will make you cry. He did what was best for him in terms of timing. It ain't personal. It's business. That was at noon on the 27th. Yeah, because he was out there day one of the draft as a Cowboy player representative. That that, that was the big story during the draft. You're right. So first round, he was still Cowboy. Second round, he wasn't. Yeah. All right. Uh, So what are your thoughts on Ridley? You, You like Ridley landing in Atlanta with Julio? The one thing I'm thinking that I've been reading on later lately and, and, and thinking about people that I respect as far as the draft goes, guys like, wow, look at this fuck. Now that now it's over here. Look at the rainbow yeah, over here. It. Now it's over here, dude. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Do you want to make this the background of the show? Yes. 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 Double, double rainbow, double rainbow. No, it's the same rainbow, it's just on the <laughs> other side. It's impressive. Usually, you like this type of shit. I do. I do. But it's uh, just you're, you're mid. You're mid sentence, and you're and you're and you're you're rainbowing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> listening to a lot of the people that I respect as far as draft scouting, it, something's becoming apparent in more every every draft, and that's these big guys that had this crazy athleticism that always go in the first round that everyone hangs their hat on. That's going to be the next Calvin Johnson. The guys that actually are having more success, and you even look at last year's, the two best wide receivers from last year, Juju Smith and Cooper Cup, will they ever be wide receiver ones for any team? Maybe not, but they were very successful for fantasy owners, and I think Ridley is not a wide receiver one on his own team. And he's well, got, I probably guarantee that. What's that? Oh, <laughs> you, you can guarantee that. <laughs> you can guarantee that. But maybe that helps him. And maybe that makes him a great Bible. So while I was down with him as a as a first rounder and going above a bunch of other guys I like more, the truth is, you, and it goes back to kind of how you changed my mind on the RB two or the third down back. You got to kind of in, change the way you think about things. Not everyone's a wide receiver one. Not everyone's a running back one. But that doesn't mean they can't get a lot of damage done and score a lot of fantasy points. Right. So I like him a lot. And I also think the other thing, I think he's one of the best pure route runners in, in the uh, draft class. I think the reason why you saw these two guys were so successful last year, Juju and Cooper Cup, two of the best shifty, kind of out of it, making you think they, they were great route runners. But so they, also, like they really, also had uh, good receivers around them. Yes, okay, exactly. I mean, whether you want to downgrade Sammy Watkins or not, he still commands respect when he's out on the field. And, you know, the other thing, too, you had Ben Roethlisberger and Goff, who was ascending in his second year. You got Matt Ryan, who is a, a very competent quarterback in the NFL. The thing is, you're also probably extending Matt Ryan a little bit because this guy, you know, is an older player, but that means he's probably more likely to, you know, get on the field year one, be a little bit ready, you know, coming from – you know, a top, pretty, a top program where they know and they teach you, they breed you for the NFL at Alabama. You know, that's going to be good things for his year one viability. So while I also was down on him as a prospect, I do think the fit in the scheme of this team really works out. Who did you like better coming out, Ridley or Amari? Amari, by far. By far, okay. Yeah, I think everyone did by far. 
Ridley could be good. How did Ridley have any injuries? Or he played all the time. He played all the time, but it was a very, very run-heavy offense. So, mm-hmm. and also, you know, when they did throw, he didn't, you know, put up gigantic numbers. But uh, let's uh, go ahead and go to the next game. Well, let's, before we do it, yeah. Before we get we to the next game, uh, we're gonna listen to our sponsors for this, and when we come back, you're gonna hear the Stags Rashad Penny show. <laughs> Alright, episode one, season one of Stag Party's Rashad Penny Show. I like Rashad Penny as a player. Let me start with this. I just hate the offense and the style of offense the Seahawks are trying to get back to. They're blocking tight ends and fullbacks, and you know, Brian Schottenheimer coming out and saying today how you know fullbacks might be dead around the league, but we love them. Sounds like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Um, so, it, it's great for Penny, though, because Penny ran from a ton of I-formation sets at San Diego State. He ran from very heavy power sets. So it fits his skill set well. You know, the question is, you know, were they going to do more with Russell Wilson's athleticism and run more of a spread-type offense? But then when you hire Brian Schottenheimer, that all those thoughts and hopes sort of disappear. But, you know, it, it's probably good for Rashad Penny, you know, and the number of targets uh, combined with the number of touches that could go his way, it, it, it's a hot landing spot year one, and it's a hot landing spot for dynasty purposes. How many targets, I won't be in his box, I'll be able to talk, how many targets do you have him going, or touches, let's say, do you have him getting this year in your projections? thing I'll say with him, uh, and one I like, um, McCoy, Mike McCoy, is putting a, a, I think you're going to start seeing more um, fullbacks and leadbacks, but McCoy's putting a, a fullback in front of Dave Johnson this year. Is something that I've been reading, and uh, Dave Johnson's like, I like that. God now, damn it. Is that put him down? <sighs> <laughs> Dave Johnson said he likes it. He's like, it makes it so that he gets the end. He gets a linebacker. He gets a safety that's that's bumping up. He's, well, like, he's like, it's going to make he doesn't, cuts have, he doesn't have an athletic so it doesn't matter as much because he Dave Johnson like he's like he had one in Northern Iowa or wherever the hell he went yeah. to school. Well, the other thing is too. Look, the NFL is cyclical, right? Things come back, so we've gone to the heavy push on the on the spreads and everything else. So why wouldn't somebody right now moving him down from a thousand thousand season to a thousand nine hundred? Right now, is it is it a good move or a bad? But we'll, you'll, you'll find out. But it's like zigging when everyone's zagging, right? It's so it's not, like okay, you're, it's bad. For <laughs> There's no math that says running is very important to winning games in the NFL. There's no math that says, you know, you need to run more to run play action more successfully. There's nothing that says any of these things, but teams continue to do it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's very <laughs> I love it. Well, maybe because with the fullback, then you can Don't. have David Johnson, you can spread him out into the as a wide receiver. You leave the fullback in the backfield to block because that's what he can do. Stags an RPO guy. I think <laughs> that fullback takes that whole thing out of the eye. Out of the mix. Well, and by the way, what were your plays that you drew up? What, what was this formation called again? I like diamond or scissors. Diamond it, it's it's more college like or it's more college or high school based, but you get so many. So you, you have less offense linemen based, you know, tight ends. Yeah, and you, you got the same offensive linemen. It seems like there was like four dudes in the backfield. There was quarterback, so three running backs, and then two wide receivers. 
So look, there's wide receivers are back there. All right. Yeah, it's it's a very. Did anybody grow up with pictures of fullbacks in their uh, bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you did, Matt Sui. Matt Sui. <laughs> no, I didn't have a poster. Brian Song. Uh, Rashad Penny, I've got him projected for 241 carries and 31 receptions. And the only thing that's a real knock against Penny as a player is pass protection. So, you know, with that offensive line, it, you know, you can expect to see either C.J. Procise, who's apparently super healthy now, sarcasm, cough, cough, <laughs> uh, or Chris Carson, expect to take a lot of, you know, third down reps early in the season. It's I, something he's going to have to prove. Could he be this year's uh, Kareem Hunt? I mean, sure, the touches are, should be there. and No. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be good. He's going to be a damn good fantasy player. Does it feel like Kareem Hunt and some of these other and some of these great third-round picks last year may turn him into a first-round pick this year? And that, that, that could be. You know, I, look... It's interesting too because the amount you know. Then we you know another running back. We, we saw a couple running backs going in the first round. That's it's kind of not normal. It's like so everyone they've kind of did jump up a bit this year. But again, that's also part and parcel of the fact that they all thought this was a very weak wide receiver class too. But this is also a bunch of running backs who can catch passes. Right. You know, Rashad Penny is lauded as a guy who can you know make receptions out of the backfield and you know can be motioned out. You know, and, and be a mismatch. Same so, as the next guy on our yeah, list. Let's, yeah. let's, let's segue to it. Let's go to uh, Sony, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. I mean, I think, and let's just talk quickly about, we, uh, we alluded to it a little bit, but just the way that the new age running back almost being able to catch that ball. And we even saw how the news is more important than the running. Because it's, oh, that it's, actually adds to winning football games. Absolutely. Remember this. Remember three months ago, two months ago at this point, how the Bears were like alluding right before the draft, how they're mo- trying to move Howard. Howard's been our best running back we've had in ages, but he since Matt Moore. And what's the only? And what's but the? He catch the ball. But what's the only news that you've been hearing about the Bears and the running back position through OTAs? Tariq Cohen is going to get a much bigger role in the offense this year. And he already had, what, 54 catches last year or something? It's the fourth most. He had more catches than, I think, I'm not going to put it, a lot of running backs out there. And he wasn't on the field all that much. Um, it just shows you the, run, the catching part is almost as important as the running part in today's NFL with the way that they're doing things. So, Sony Michelle. <laughs> I see still scares the bejesus out of me because he can just be an elute. Who knows? Who knows how he's going to respond to the tutelage and the uh, the, the, the 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 coaching style of uh, Belichick? Who knows how invested and how much they love some of the other guys, some that have been around for a while, and Rex Burkhead, and they've got a lot. They just signed Hill. What's there's another crowd in Hill. 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 Who he could be? He could be cut with. You know, or he could be a touchdown. Or he could be a touchdown. He could be the next. Uh, I, I don't worry uh, about Hill. Hill is not a guy that really affects Sony Michelle. And, and, and here's let me let me finish one thing, and I'm not going to say one yeah. more word about it. Remember Mike Gillis last year? Oh yeah. How high he was going in drafts, and again, a few people. Uh, I'm just facing the guy's name, but one of the guys that, uh, that follows and covers the Patriots uh, hardcore was just like, guys. Gillis, he can't go that high on this. Bill Belichick, 
This is what's your flavor this week. This is what does the team think we're going to do. We're going to do the opposite. This is a guy that can miss, be 10 minutes late for a fucking practice and not get a carry for a half a month, for a month. You just do not know. So I, he, he's the one guy out of the talents there. I'm a little worried about him, but at the same time, he could be by far the number one guy this year. First thing you said, how's he going to handle coming in with this coaching staff and whatever? How's he going to deal with that? You know that he did deal with two coaching staffs when he was at Georgia. So tough dudes, too. Right. And Kirby Smith coming in. Uh, smart. Smart. Thank you. Uh, Kirby. Kirby coming in from Alabama, being the defensive-minded guy, and he flourished in, in his uh, in his team, uh, in his scheme. So I'm not worried about that. Also, think about this. Deion Lewis. How much did you like Deion Lewis in New, or- in, in New England's offense? I did it's, what he was helping. Right. Well, it, Michelle is a guy that actually more durable coming out of college than what Deion Lewis is. Okay? Deion Lewis took a long time for him to get to the point where Deion Lewis is, right? What was it? Three, three, three years or whatever before he, no, he broke in? No, much more than that. Six. Four years was four oh, yeah. in. So, it's, exactly. One thing I'll say, and I, I did say I wasn't going to say anything else, but <laughs> Sony Michelle might be one of the most electric running backs drafted in the last 20 years. Just in pure talent, speed, on the field, sturdiness. Looking at that guy, it looks like another world. Can he bottle it up? Well, I, I think that it's it's a good situation because, again, yes, they do use a volume of backs there. Uh, he did also have a, a, a knack for scoring touchdowns in college, too. So, And that big playability. Is he going to be the goal line back? Hell no. Is he going to get those opportunities? Hell no. Whether that be, uh, Is he going to be the first option as the pass catcher? You know, well, I think so. Over I, James White. So he immediately yeah, goes to okay, James White. Hang on. That's my question. I think yes, so. Yes, I, I kind of yeah, do but, because I, I kind of think that if it's not with by week one, it's by week three or four. You don't draft a guy in the first round if you don't expect to put him on the field and play. Oh, I don't agree with that. But one thing, the only reason why I do is because James White was rendered almost, I know Dion was there and he played uh, more games than he probably has in any season in his career. But James White, after being the the, the savior of the, for them and um, who sh- probably second in MVP voting in that Super Bowl victory uh, against the the Falcons, he didn't do crap last year. He was not a part of their program. He caught 56 passes. Like, he, he caught 56 passes, and then, like, that's all he's ever done. But 56, 60, 40. Like, this guy is their third down back. Kevin Fulcrow, we know what the fucking role right, is. But the Why is, is this disappearing? Because they, they, they envision more out, out of Michelle. They no, they, can, they guys. Get so, so, so what is he? so you're saying you're saying he's get he's the he's the running back. Yeah, he's the, Michelle's he's the probably the lead downs. back. You know, Deion Lewis played first and second down. You think he usurped James White on third down? He didn't. They love what James White does as a pass blocker and as a pass catcher out of the backfield. They love that little draw game. When they get in the what red if zone. Better? It's definitely a possibility, but he hasn't proven it yet. <laughs> okay, what's showing Michelle's biggest weakness? It's fumbling. Um, and what does Bill Belichick hate the most? Fumbles. So there's also that factor. Can he immediately come in and be, you know, a big factor in the run game? But also be like Deion Lewis and catch some passes on first and second down. I think that's an absolute possibility. But let's temper the expectations that he's immediately 
And an all three down back. For I'm not team. saying he's a three down back, but I'm saying that he's. You gonna said eat, he usurps. I'm saying James he eats into James White a lot more than you think he doesn't. I, I, agree. <laughs> I, I think I, I agree with that. I don't think I don't think James White goes. Rex has another guy that can catch footballs. Like, and I think he's going to be the touchdown grabber. But I think the one thing that we got to say, and again, I ta- I started this up by saying I. I I definitely prefer. I love the Sony Walkman growing up, but the Sony Mitchell, Michelle year one. I'm worried about it. I don't. I, I'm, I'm staying away from this guy. But there's a possibility that he's just a lot better than James White, um, and a lot better than Rex Burkhead. And the fact that they got him with their first round pick, which is unheard of for this team, was something that they yeah. saw something in this guy, and they're like. We are about to unleash this guy, and now Tom Brady, at 40, is going to be able to be like, you know what? I got this ridiculous toy. It's not on me as much as it's been. Yeah. And that might happen. So what if he's better? And I, I, mean, I, I don't want him. And I admit to the fact that I, he, he might burn me, and I might be like, why didn't I see this coming? Let's talk about his draft capital. Yeah. Right now, he's currently going as the 25th running back uh, in MFL 10s, which are full point PPR. You know, a couple guys going behind him, Tevin Coleman, Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, Duke Johnson. So I like them all over all those guys. Just the, just the I, I'd have Penny over them, and then probably Penny. Penny, I, I agree with that Penny, but uh, yeah. And Lamar, I have him as my twenty seventh running back right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got upside for redraft, it, it, but it's if you projected one hundred and fifty touches or three hundred touches for Sony Michelle. There's nothing I can say to prove you wrong. James White is my 54th running back. It, it, there's nothing I can say to prove you wrong. Because it's all within the realm of possibility. Sure. Totally. But I got Sony as my 21st running back. I know it's high. That's in a tier that's basically filled with all the rookies. Just because the next one is just like, eh. I never shot Penn just for more sure of work up, but I got I got, I got him two later. Um but yeah, anyways, let's move on. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to know. It, but he might just be that good. Um, all right, yeah, I'm gonna do a. <laughs> and then we are gonna. Well, hang on, I'll do a Valverde too. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do a, a two for one here. Two for my my studio Valverde. And let me give you a good one here. It's a, my computer wants to play it. Uh, if I can find it. Oh, come on. Nope. I got a, I got a frozen screen. Okay. All right. We'll move oh, on. It's such a good one, too. Here it comes. Here it comes. He's got to wait for it now. So I'll just have a little back chat chat here for a moment. We're going to do Lamar Jackson here in a minute. Oh. Now it's dead. Yeah, it's dead. I got so, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. He got his first round tender. Yeah, well, with Lamar Jackson, it's it's a long term play. It doesn't look like it's hot in year one, but you know Joe Flacco in the next year or two is going to have a bunch of you know bunch of guaranteed money come off his contract, and he might be a guy that can be cut. We looked at Joe Flacco the last few seasons, and it just hasn't been there on the field. Uh, so, you know, that's something to look forward to because Lamar Jackson, when he gets on the field, should be a great fantasy prospect. The problem is Vegas has been over-under of a half game right now. So if you look at that, like, 
He's unlikely to be the first. Maybe he's not even the second. But I did think that Ozzie Newsom came in, made a trade that was best for the future of the franchise after doing whatever he did with Hayden and Hurst before that. But then, you know, set them up pretty well with the guy who, with a couple of years, can be exciting. And with a guy like Marty Morningwig, who's worked with Michael Vick, he knows how to, you know, exemplify a player's talents, like Lamar Jackson. So when he gets on the field, you know, those rushing fantasy points alone are going to be golden. Well, and I think he's a guy that probably has some uh, packages made for him just to be out on the field a couple times a game anyway. Sure. Because you're going to need certain situations where you need a much more mobile quarterback to, uh, to make the defense have to really kind of think more, and Flacco is not going to do that for you. So Something tells me that this guy's going to get more playing time this year than we think. And I don't think he's, he's, he's not fantasy viable if he's just getting a package here or there. But I think that I don't think I think Flacco's how, days, sol- how solid do we done. all feel about Flacco? Their day, his days are done. Yeah. He made his money. He brought you a championship. That was in 2011 or whatever. It's like the team knows. At this point, he's a detriment. He's 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 very very highly paid. The fan base, the, everyone wants to see Lamar Jackson. Even what I'm hearing and what you're seeing around is like his, his, he's a better thrower than he's getting credit for already. So let's just fucking throw the guy to the fire and see if we got the next Michael Vick. We got it. We got our Valverde. We got it. Valverde Part 2. Really? Really? I'll tell you what I'm doing here. You want to know what I'm doing here, shit for brains? I had sex with your dad. That's right. I had sex with your father because just like you, I like my sex old and ugly. I like fake hair on their heads and falls off. But you have Anyone who's seen the show knows it. One guy just got these like new high-powered bows, internal airplanes. Like, yeah, I love Pyro until they made me go tap. <laughs> Still listen to the podcast for those downloads. <laughs> I do a closed caption. Um, last thing I'll say on Lamar Jackson: he had more rushing yards in college than Saquon Barkley. Saquon, sorry, Saquon Barkley. Let's go to the second round. Let's go to Nick Chubb, you know, joining the Cleveland Browns in what looks to be a crowded backfield. We talked about it, how, you know, three players from this backfield are being drafted in the first seven rounds uh, of MFL 10s. That means people don't really know how to handle it. Uh, you know, maybe in the future it is just Chubb and Duke Johnson if they can get him resigned, and they perform a powerful one-two punch. I, I like him in the middle round, uh, middle of the first round in rookie drafts. Uh, overall, though, I, I think I'm going to go with Carlos Hyde. You know, for redraft purposes, a little bit higher, but not so either way. I just think Hugh Jackson's got to do whatever it takes to get wins, and that probably means with going with guys like Tyrod Taylor and Carlos Hyde earlier. And that's going to be my opinion because you win one game in two fucking years and then you, you know, blow up some draft capital in order to get guys and spend money. 
now's the time to do it. So that's where I'm betting my money. I don't know why. I don't, I don't I've never been a fan of Carlos Hyde. I'm less of a fan of Carlos Hyde on Cleveland. I like Carlos Hyde. I never understood why he signed with the Browns. I, listen, I, I, if I want to, if I'm, if I'm choosing who I think is what's from Ohio, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, is that it? yeah he went to Ohio State. He went to Ohio State. So I, I think Nick Chubb, look, he remember, he's now two years removed off of that injury that he had. So he's finally back at his full strength. And what he was doing before he got injured was turning everyone's heads. And they were thinking, wow, this guy could come out this year. So I think that Chubb is the guy that I would invest in on this team. I would feel comfortable that Chubb is not going to affect Duke Johnson one way or the other. Carlos Hyde is not going to affect Duke Johnson one way or the other. So leave him unaffected. I'm affecting Carlos Hyde. I mean, right now I got him in my first tiers. I got Hyde at 31, Duke Johnson at 32, and Nick Chubb at 40. You know what? I've got the same. And to do to think about it, you're saying people are drafting three guys in the first seven rounds off the Cleveland Browns. I'm doing the same thing. I got Hyde at 33, Johnson at 35, and Nick Chubb at 36. Why am I doing that? I got to change that. Well, you got you got to change it for round two. Me too. Well, what it is right now, we need more information before you can make that decision. I don't. And that's why I have them all so close to each other. Yeah. Duke Johnson's probably going to stay right around where he is. If if I really believed in Carlos Hyde, I would have had him maybe up at like number twenty-four. All right, good point. Good point. So, I'm looking at names lower, and I'm not feeling like I'm missing out. But yeah, that is weird. Could one of these guys get traded? Could Hyde do? Get dumped? What? No, Hyde's probably got enough, you know, long-term money this year that he's going to be on the team. But the structure of his deal means that you know next year he could be a cap casualty in order to you know make moves for the future and see what this guy has. His his fantasy viability is is fading fast because all of theirs are for the reason we talked. Well, no, 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 Baker Mayfield. Well, no, no, no. I think Chubb still, you know, Chubb has upside and everything else. He's a rookie. Okay. In, in, re, in redraft, you think this year he's scoring fantasy points? Well, I know you're a big fantasy guy. So no, no, no. Was, I, I, but with Chubb, I know. Chubb is a guy that couldn't, and he could end up becoming the goal line back. You don't know, you know. It, 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 and Carlos Hyde, does team score? Hyde's I, also. You know, I understand that. I understand. You're not going to get necessarily a ton, right? But like you look at Hyde's skill set and you compare it to Nick Chubb's, and he's probably just a little bit better all around right now. He's a better pass catcher right now. He's a better pass protector right now. And he's proven it at the NFL level. Well, and I agree with you that Hugh Jackson is not going to play Nick Chubb as much as he's going to play Carlos Hyde for the first six weeks of the season. You know, where did, but did that, that also, did that also draft in, your, in the Dynasty League you're done? And when then was Chubb, where did right? he get drafted? Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look. I mean, is, it, is it a guy that people were, I don't need numbers I, or anything, but it was a guy that seemed like I people were high Chubb in 104, but it, it's long term. You're talking. Well, you're talking about a rookie draft. Is what you're talking about. Yeah. So no, I'm talking about the dynasty, dynasty. Like how are you picks. Doing? I'm not saying this year. How are we feeling long term on Chubb? Well, so so Chubb in 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 our in our league we have like to the draft. He was taken with the 13th overall pick. So wow. running backs that super flex. In, in running backs that were taken above him were Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, uh, Darius Geis. Uh, and say what was your what, where did you draft what kind of league were you drafting him in and then we're, we're moving on I just like to give just a dynasty rookie draft one QB so. okay 
Okay. I like him long term. Uh, you know, I so you more. think you think two three years that he's he's the number one guy there, third down back, and Duke Johnson or whatever else they bring yeah. in. You think he's the future? Yeah, I think he's the future, first and second down back. You know, as time goes along, and I think he can progress as a pass catcher. All I can say on him before we go to the next guy, and you, you tell us who the next guy is. I remember after Gurley came out, and then what he did. Before his serious injury, he was the set. It was like it, it was like he was going to be the best running back in the history of the NFL. Yeah. And if he can come back, if he's able to come back, and he's back even to uh, a level just below. What People he did. said Chubb was better than Gurley when yeah. he was before yeah, he got hurt. Sure. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Horvath, guys like the people I know that loved, um, you know, the Bulldogs, like just it, it was like. You gotta watch this guy. It's it's insane. I remember it was crazy. So, let's go to the next guy. Uh, Ronald Jones. It's a hot landing spot for redraft. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. no Doug Martin. It doesn't look like you know much competition from guys like Charles Sims, Peyton Barber figures to be involved. But it, it's a Jack pre- quiz all over your face. It, it's pretty easy to make a projection for Ronald Jones where he's touching the ball, you know, two hundred to two hundred and fifty times. But he's got a lot of unknowns as a pass protector and as a pass catcher, which might limit his upside a little bit. But day one viability, the touches that are there to be had, and you know if you run him in an offense, you know based out of the shotgun and let him run outside zone and let him do the things he does well, it's going to be good. That offensive line's not great though, but the weapons. You know, on the field with Mike Evans and Deshaun yeah. Jackson and Chris Godwin and, you know, Humphreys even. And, and what, about the lack, what about the lack of competition? It's Peyton Barber. I got you got to reiterate. It's the worst. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you got to say some it twice. Worst, it's some of the worst competition you could ever have. Right. Uh, I, I mean, Charles Sims, Jacquez It's the worst. He's locked and loaded. The question I got is how does this guy, he's an athletic dude. He doesn't even feel punt returns. He used to maybe two years ago. How is he not a, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield? It's the only misnomer. It's, but do you think he can do it? But he just they just didn't ask him. Well, it's a weird guy. His game, his game. Everyone talks 14 about fourteen catches he, last year. <laughs> yeah, which is shit. But yeah. everyone talks about how he can't catch out of the backfield. But it just seems weird that he can't. Doesn't seem like the kind of player that can't. He it's not proven that he can't yet. He just wasn't asked to do it a ton. See, that, that's Which my is good. That, that's almost more my question. Like, but that's the same was, with Darius the, Geis, not, the USC that. offense. I don't ever remember seeing the USC offense really feature a lot of screen passes unless it was Reggie Bush. After Reggie Bush, I, I can't really tell you who else they were featuring ever as. Running back catch pass catcher because they're always throwing the ball downfield to to whether we whether it was Marquise Lee or if it was whoever. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I definitely Robert Woods. I, I definitely agree with all that. Um, so so Ronald Jones, you know, instant impact and in, in dynasty. You know, right right around the middle of that first round, you should be coming off the board just because you know the impact is good. Let's let's just move on to the next guy. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go to Cortland Sutton. You know, a big wide receiver to land in Denver, uh, who's year one impact because of, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas looks sort of limited. But 
for dynasty wise, you know, Demarius is getting up there in years, yeah. Emmanuel Sanders is getting up there in years, and his contracts, you know, about to expire. So, you know, long term, it looks like he could be a feature part of this offense, and that's good. So if he's coming off the board at the turn of the first round in dynasty rookie drafts, I think that's a good spot for his potential upside in years two and three, especially looking at you know how much actual impact these guys have had in year one and two, you know, recently. Yeah. This guy's more of a long-term investment, but you know, his blend of size and speed and ability to high point the ball is gonna give him upside in the long term and his touchdown ability, you know, should be good for him. So uh, I really like something long term. I think he's you know, the second best wide receiver in the class uh, after DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this year, though, I, I think it's limited. No, I don't I don't like it this year. I mean, number one, you you said it. It's Demarius Thomas, it's Emmanuel Sanders. The, the other thing, I do like him long-term, but the problem that you have there long-term is we still don't know who's going to be the quarterback there long-term. So that could be a, a situation that becomes in flux for him. And, you know, you end up in a situation where you're stuck with, like, uh, Blaine Gabberts or, like, Bortles or things like that. That hurts your sometimes. But your you're potential. not thinking Case Keenum is that, are you? I'm thinking Case Keenum is a bridge to I what. That. I don't know what the what is. So if I'm buying in on Cortland Sutton, I agree. I like his potential longer term when most likely Emmanuel Sanders is not retained after his contract ends. Demarius is long in the tooth. They've been looking for replacements to kind of uh, add alongside of them for a while. Have not hit on any of them. So Sutton has the best upside of anyone that they've drafted, though, in the last five years to be that guy. I just worry who's going to be throwing him the rock when he's actually the guy two, two years from now, two, three years from now. I think it's a case thing for a couple years, to be honest. I think it's a two, so three, two three years from now. Yeah, it's, it's a two, three year thing. Um, because unless, look, if you think, if you think, think about this one. Because this is an organization with John Elway. They, they go for championships and they're trying to build to, to the winner. And obviously, they showed you when they got Peyton Manning. They're not afraid to throw all in uh, to go for it in that regard. So when you look at this division and you kind of look at the way that the teams are, are trending in this division, I think Kansas City is the team to beat. I think the Chargers have a very good chance to be a very competitive team this year. Chargers over Chiefs. With Mahomes' first year, could be right. Bad on, it, it's going to be those are the those are the teams that I think that are buying it out. So, if you're Denver and you finish this year out of the playoffs, nine and seven, eight and eight, what has Case given you for the yeah, long term? No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think the crazy thing is that they're gonna they didn't really go after it on a draft pick with the quarterback again, and. They could have, and they could have, and the 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 Kirk Cousins getting free agent signings—they don't happen. Once some a team for some reason Snyder and that front office decided they wanted to fuck with this guy and let him run, and it was an absolute huge mistake for the franchise. They over they overpaid Alex Smith, who's fucking thirty. They'll they'll realize that he's thirty six years old. Um, they'll realize that game game sucks, um, <laughs> but it's just it's just it's just a weird thing. So I think that because of that, they're going to go high on the quarterback next year because you're not going to all of a sudden getting the case. Keenum is 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 a victory for him, you know. Um, so he'll be around for a bit. But I, I I agree with you. 
We'll talk about him a little bit, but what about the Deshaun Hamilton? Same team. Does he have a viability? Because we probably want to get while well, we're talking about it. Okay. It's almost like Emmanuel Sanders replacement, maybe. Yeah, but they also you know, spent a pick last year on a wide receiver whose name I'm not remember. Carlos Henderson? Yeah, Carlos Henderson. Uh, so they spent a high draft pick on Carlos Henderson last year, who's a guy who could do it all after the catch. He's an LSU guy? Uh, no. Small school, Louisiana Tech. Okay, you're right. Um, Got it. I remember. But. You know, it's going to be interesting with these guys, you know, late. You know, they've got three receivers. By the way, Dan, you're good. He's good. <laughs> He's good. I, I said it just to mess him. I wanted to see if you would uh, say yeah. No, but... Uh, no, but... <laughs> the, the wide receivers are deep in Denver. Like, you look yeah. at the young upside receivers they have. And it looks good for their future, so I'm excited for that. And a guy who, in case Keenum, who looks like he can distribute the ball, and that's, you know that's good. Like you saw what he did with Jason Thielen. You give him Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, their fantasy prospects look up. And then you know maybe in the future it's Cortland Sutton, Carlos Henderson, and Deshaun Hamilton. Like things are looking up for all those guys. So, dude, I, I moved. I moved. Uh... I, I just I, I, I we'll see how good Case is. Case has to prove it that he can maintain it for a year. But again, I just have a feeling it it, it the strength is still to the defensive side of this team. Oh, yeah. And if, it's a, if Case if, if Case sure. doesn't take them to the playoffs, I don't know. How, uh, they they are quickly looking for another option. Yeah. But okay. there aren't that many options out hmm. there. Is what I'm saying. I agree with that. So too. I mean, look, LA at this point is realizing like he can't. You can't pull the rug out on this guy too quickly and destroy his and do that whole song. No, dance. he's trying to keep it together with uh, paper mache there's with the defense. Many, he has a window with the defense. If you remember when the Bears, the Bears had that window. We're like, look, with Erlacher and Briggs and and uh, and, and, and te- uh, Harris up front, like you have four four years to maximize what this defense is doing, and they're now on the tail end, and so they're trying to extend it by bringing in Bradley Chubb. But that's where. They're trying to bring it. All right. The All next right. guy we're going with, and quickly, is Mike Gisecki. But before we do that, we're going to do a nice little ad ski here. Listen to our sponsor. Gisecki. In un- Gisecki in under 35 seconds. <laughs> you could have gone like 60 seconds or no. I don't, uh, I'm, 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 you're wasting seconds I'm right now. Valverde and Gusecki's hurrying it up. He's so Mike Gusecki lands in a pretty good, you know, fantasy landing spot. You know, in uh, Miami where they just get rid of Julius Thomas, so targets should be there for him year one. You know, Gase has shown to, uh, to be a guy who can use the tight end, especially to move tight end. You know, add as athletic prime. Gusecki's one of the most athletic tight ends to come into the league recently. So I, I think it's good for him year one, but it is, uh, I mean, top, you're open for like, he pulls out sort of an Evan Ingram. But if you realistically project it, like, he's probably going to be outside of normal starter range, he's going to have a few fringe weeks. And those weeks he scores touchdowns, he's going to end up uh, tight end one. But overall, if he ends up with 604 or five touchdowns, successful rookie season. But in, in fantasy, you're like, Eh. Yeah, that doesn't help me. 
This isn't Evan Ingram from last year, you know? No, no. And, and look, that's also one of those things, like, uh, we have, we've had lately some anomalies at the tight end position that normally you didn't get production out of. Hunter Henry and then Evan, and Evan Ingram have given rookie production out of the tight end position that is abnormal. Yes, but... If there is anybody close to Evan Ingram as an athletic specimen, it is Mike Gusecki. Uh And, you know, getting rid of, like, 160 targets from Jarvis Landry, that opens up a lot of things in this offense. But they're slow, and they want to be based on the run game. So, overall, you know, it doesn't work. So, let's move on, and let's carry on to carry on Johnson. Oh, carry on yeah. my way, what's Take a leak, I'll be back in a couple. I didn't buy that one. Yeah, that was a house. horrible rendition of the song. Get your ass in the toilet. Carry on, Johnson. I love the landing spot. It's a good landing spot. I, I, you know, you, you talk about you want to go to a place where, what do, you, what do you have in front of you? You actually have two guys that are basically polar opposites that are with you in the backfield. you got the Garrett Blunt, who is your blunt hammer, who doesn't do anything as far as pass catching. And you got Theo Riddick, who... Is an amazing pass catcher, but you really can't rely on the carry. I'm on. contractually obligated to mention Amir Abdullah. So I have him on a team, and I'm contractually telling you that he's basically invisible at this point in time. Yeah, but Carryon's a guy who, you know, depending on you know how invested Blunt is, is a guy you could seemingly project for you know 180 to 220 carries in his rookie season. You know, Theo Riddick's going to provide the pass catching, but you know, carry on does enough in that area, but this is a guy who carried a you know a big load and who can move piles and do pretty good things. So, uh, and he may be the guy that the, the that the Lions will be feel comfortable with moving in the middle of the field, right? The, the thing that he's going to lose his value is don't expect to see him uh, there in goal line or uh, five yard situations because that's going to be for sure. Blunt, or you're going to have Theo Riddick, who has shown a great propensity to be able to score as a receiver in the red zone as well. Yeah, that is definitely a possibility of him getting vultured. Well, let's move on to Dante Pettis uh, joining G- forces with the Jimmy GQ guy uh, in San Francisco. Dante Pettis is smooth, and I don't know if there's anybody better in the league at running curl routes than Dante Pettis. Uh, or entering the league, excuse me. There's better people in the league. Uh, <laughs> I uh, hope so. But this guy is smooth, silky smooth, in and out of breaks, can drop his hips and come back to the football. So I like that. We, Do you think the, he cracks the starting lineup week one, or is he just going to be more in like 40% of packages? Or I, I think they're going to run plenty of three wide receiver sets with Jimmy you know, at under center. So they're going to run, you know, very various things, varied and various things. But he's a guy who should crack the top three in that pecking order. You know, beyond beyond Pierre Garçon and, you know, the speedster that is Marquise Goodwin, What what is there at wide receiver? You know, Trent Taylor, you know, working out a slot and, you know, limited other things. But this is a guy who's also got enough, enough speed to be a downfield threat. But he's also got a he's, he's sort of a mix between Marquis Goodwin and Pierre Galsani. He's sort of the best of both worlds. And he can do it on a slide as well. So he's, he's got the Taylor aspect. They're already saying, we're not thinking of him as replacing Taylor. We're not thinking of him as replacing 
He's going to be supplemented in each of them, mm-hmm. and he can play every position. And he's also got the, obviously the special teams as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I I love this guy day one because he doesn't have it. He he doesn't have to like take someone's role. Mm-hmm. He takes everyone. He takes a piece of everyone. He's he's he's, he's eating into everyone's pie, and that. But I think that just pie, helps him. That pie is increasing anyway because look, look at the running back situation. You know, you can be as high on Jarek McKinnon as you want to be. I still don't think that Jarek McKinnon is a guy that you're going to be able to trust for 20, 20 to 25 carries a game. Maybe you want to get him 20 touches a game. Yeah. But that tells me that this team is going to be uh, throwing the ball a lot. It could be a lot of like that old school West Coast offense, quick, short, precise passing with a couple of shots downfield here and there. But it's going to be spreading the ball around the field, and you have you have look. The, what I love about it is too, you have guys of all different the right different skills. You don't have three of the same receivers out there. Marquise Goodwin is a burner, straight up athlete. You know, was a, a Olympic star, a triple jumper or whatever, and he's got ridiculous speed. You got Pierre Garcon, who has proven himself to be one of the more consistent receivers in the NFL over the last what since he's come into the league ten years. So. Now you bring this kid in and you say, okay, hey, give us a little bit of both. Give us a little bit of everything. Allow us to do a little bit more because we know what we have with these two pieces. Now it allows us more freedom to use him however they want to. Here's one thing I'm going to say. While we're doing it, you you go into Pettison, uh, follow it on. The one guy that I think uh, is the X factor is seventh round Richard James. Tough. He, uh, for the Niners. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a guy, I think Garcon is too injury prone. I think his days have, have kind of come past him. Good, Godwin, Goodwin, whatever. Goodwin, has he been that? He's a speedster. He had a, a, just an outlandish season last year. Right, he's not a guy that you're going to be like, you're going to get 13 targets a game. This guy's going to be a, a great wide receiver for years. Willie come. Galt, modern day Willie Galt. Yeah. The guy to watch out. I love. I definitely like the Pettis, Dante Pettis call, but Richie James as well. I don't even know what school he went to. I guess which one? No, that was Anthony Miller. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, it, Middle Tennessee. Yes, Middle Tennessee. That's Damn, it. you are good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> I got it right here. I just pulled it up. up. Before it comes, comes up, up, he's got it. That dude. He like lit it up two two years two three years ago two years ago and then got banged up last year. Well, he but doesn't have the size. This, this, yeah, he's a small diminutive guy, but I like I like that pick. It's, it's like the way we're gonna talk about another dude. I like. There's a few seventh round wide receivers that I think Javon Wims for on our team. Mm-hmm. There are some guys that I think are like. The situation seems perfect, and if the health is there. The reason why they slipped. That is hell. Well, and I like you so just transition. I just knew no. I wouldn't cover him later. It's perfect. And it's a perfect transition into the next guy who I think has a perfect landing spot in Christian Kirk, uh, landing with the Arizona uh, Cardinals. So we, I kind of talked about him earlier, how I thought that him uh, with Rosen is going to be that thing that they built for the future. You have the advantage of him being able to play out there with. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald and learn the right way to do things, but at the same time, as Stags made point out there, it's 35-year-old Larry Fitzgerald. Well, so hopefully that maybe means that this becomes an opportunity where he's able to get the same type of target share that maybe a Cooper Cup in the same division did last year uh, to allow him to kind of really make that ascension and be one of the better wide receivers in this draft class. 
for this year. Not to put you on the spot, but maybe it, with some of these wide receivers, and you don't have to look at it right now, but some of your projection stuff, like, I, I, we'll, we'll, I, we'll talk through it because I got something to say, but maybe, like, I'd love to hear what you have on some of your wide receivers, who you think are projection-wise the best guys. Is Kirk there? Who are some of these, who are some of the guys that you're loving? Um, I agree with the, um, the one thing that came out today with Christian Kirk is one that Arizona knew about the charges of him doing vandalism and uh, property damage. I don't know if you heard about this whole story, but basically... He happened in Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona, him and his drunk buddies were throwing rocks at cars and breaking windows in cars two months before the fucking drafts. He's always been known as a good good, uh, character guy, but the charges were dropped. Probably, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, it's the owner, but not Biden. Uh, uh, fuck. The owner of the Cardinals probably gave uh, the police chief some cash. Who on the Cardinals? Who owns? <laughs> owns. Um, but yeah, so that they were dropped today. So he's not going to get penalized. He's not going to get suspended. I don't think. Um, and, and two totally different things: the courts and the NFL. Yes, and, and, the, and the fact is. That the Cardinal, the thing I like to hear about it was the Cardinals knew about this when they drafted him. This wasn't something they were blindsided by. Like, oh wait, you got arrested for being a drunk idiot. So they're not worried. So I'm not worried. Okay. This sounds like our current administration. What? Go ahead. Who needs to talk? Um. So with Christian Kirk, I just worry about. You know, overall, how he's going to fit into the offense. Is Larry Fitzgerald moving to the outside? Is he moving to the outside on a more regular basis? How do those two things mesh? Is he more of a long-term project to replace Larry and be an instant impact contributor, you know, on special teams? Because that's something he does well. But I I like, you know, Christian Kirk long-term. And, you know, if you're getting there at the end of the first, second round, in your rookie drafts, I think he should be coming off the board then because, you know, long-term, this guy should have a big role in the offense and could end up being a de facto number one wide receiver. I don't think he'll ever be the true number one wide receiver that you, you need, but he could be a de facto. A, 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 a Jordan player. Matthews for, for a period of time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. He was, he was the number one wide receiver in Philly for no, a while I, there. I remember. I can't believe how fast he's falling. I, I feel like he's either going to get cut early by the Patriots or he's going to have a great season. No, Why do you just help me make Dennis's designs? Because Dennis's designs are terrible. I enjoy them. I know you do, Charlie. I walked in and saw you enjoying them very much this morning. Yes, again, missing. I told you I was scratching myself, Dave. You were scratching hard and very vigorous. No, that's so, just that's the only way I can do this. That's really it. Who's next? Who's next? I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'm not either. Dallas Godare. Dallas Godare is already making headway in, you know, OTAs. Uh, making big catches. I think this is a guy who's ready to step in from day one and be an impact tight end. But now he lands on a team with worse Zach Ertz. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, you know, you can't get much worse from a target share at the tight end position perspective. Maybe he can get lucky in a three-year sign a deal like Trey Burton just did. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Because this guy's, you know, going to be a good tight end in the league. And he's going to allow them to do a lot of different things. And we know they like to split out Zach Ertz. 
So maybe he's going to play that in-rallying compliment, but he's also a guy who can split out and play out wide. So it, it's just another piece for Philadelphia. I think it helps a guy like Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't know if it's going to help Dallas go there in the short or medium terms, but long term, I think he's going to be a guy on your fantasy radar. Well, the next guy is our own Anthony Miller, and I think we all think that he is going to have an immediate impact uh, on this team. And I, I, I'm, I really think that he could have a good long-term impact as well. You know, having Allen Robinson there, uh, it, it gives us solidity. It doesn't do anything to affect where he is lining up on the field as he's going to be the slot receiver for the Bears. Uh, you like the fact that you have a new young coach that with an offensive mind of maybe this is why they're drafting this person because, hey, we really have some specific things in mind of what we want to do in our offense and this is the guy that they want. So as opposed to just being how it would have been, I would have felt if it was uh, the John Fox administration who had drafted it where Ryan Pace has a great idea about this player, but the uh, the coaching staff has no idea how to implement it. <laughs> so I actually feel that right now, the, the, the more weapons that they're bringing in and giving Nagy to play with, he is going to really get the best out of these guys. And, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of a faster-paced offense than we've been accustomed to seeing with the Bears. I think they're going to run probably about 10 more plays on average than they probably did in, in the years past, which is always great for fantasy because it gives you more plays, more opportunities. Um, and I think they're going to just really do a better job of stretching the field and trying to make bigger plays. And I think that Miller is a guy that can complement in all those as, uh, aspects. I'm all in on this guy. I'm super fired up on him. You guys remember, even in our pre-draft shows, he was the guy, him and Gallup were the guys that stuck out to me just, just the most... Um, I'll also love Jamal Moore, but the, he, he he just stuck out, struck out of me. They hit foot issues, so they said he was going to slip a little bit. He wasn't at the combine and able to do much. He, there was just a lot of issues, but when you look again, I haven't seen a player with the jiggle, the wiggle, the route running, the catching, this small strength. Like, he, he literally reminds me of Antonio Brown. And the fact that the Bears traded up to get him lets you know that they have a specific role that they want him to play. I love it. Now, let's talk about the next guy. On oh, the you, got, you got something about him? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, Anthony Miller's, you know, a great prospect, lands in a pretty good spot. But now you look at the landscape of the Bears, and they're going to have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen Right, so these guys are going to be involved as runners, but then Tariq Cohen's also going to be heavily involved as a pass catcher. Yep. And then you have Allen Robinson, who's going to be heavily involved as a pass catcher. You have Troy Burton, who's going to be heavily involved as a pass catcher. You have Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel, who's going to be involved, but that that's going to be five targets. Uh, hey Gabriel, just run sixty yards every yeah. every, pl- every every hike. <laughs> Hey, that may be. That's, a, that's what they should have been doing with Devin Hester all the time when they brought him in. But True. it's going to be interesting. But, again, the Bears are, are the biggest unknown with Nagy and the new offense. and, and, and True. What, what, Trubisky's. Exactly. Uh, how, how much are they going to unbridle him and let him go? So, But I think the next guy becomes very interesting. How do you guys feel about uh, who some people said was the second-best running back in this draft and got drafted way behind everybody else, Darius Geis. 
<laughs> going to Washington, where what, what, all you gotta worry about is Samaj P. Ryan, who didn't work out last year. Well, Samaj P. Ryan and Rob Kelly yeah. and Chris Thompson. Well, Chris Thompson, I think, has, like, like if you want to make the analogy, I think he more so than James White has locked into, I have this role, you're not touching my role, I'm dynamic. I agree with that. Um, but he's coming off an injury. Right. But I, I think, yeah, he's... There's no question. Guys, is number is number one. He's ready to go on a team and with a quarterback at the helm that needs running, passing out of the backfield production. There's a major slide, so he's got that chip on his shoulder. Um, I think this is a pretty much perfect situation for the guy. I, I, how do you like a long draft? I will be t- I will be taking a chance on him. Over a lot of other guys, yeah, know that's vague, but I'll take a chance on, a, on 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 this fella much more than just saying, "Oh yeah." Dynasty because wise, the upside. Dynasty wise, I worry about what's the long term upside, right? Because they they do keep bringing a lot of competition. We don't know. I don't know. Hits. The Alex Smith factor is how much longer is Alex Smith going to be there, and what's going to be Three the quarterback situation uh, at least. Under contract, they gave him a hundred million. Doesn't pounds. mean that it's good. Doesn't mean it's good value. You have to. The Cubs are sitting here in Chicago. They're, they're paying. You know how much money they're paying Jason Hayward on the north side of the city. Everyone's regretting this eighty-four million he got left on his contract or whatever. It happens. Alex Smith will be there for the next three years. Under contract. So, so Darius Geis overall has an ADP in the top twenty uh, running backs right now. It's among the top forty players. He was wow. sort of being drafted, you know, highly before the draft, so that gives him, you know, a little bit of boost. Uh, but How do you feel about that personally? Like, it, it's it's a little too high for me. I think he's the thing is Jay Gruden has always taken it slow with these running backs, right? Mm-hmm. It took Samaj P. Ryan a couple weeks to get involved in the offense. Mm-hmm. It took Rob Kelly. <laughs> ten couple it, ten. It took Rob Kelly. Ten weeks to get involved in the offense. Who? Who? What's what's the nickname? He's just a guy, not Jag. What was it? Uh, just another guy, Jaga. No, Jag. Was it Jag? Just yeah, just another guy. Are you I have a different. You have another A at the end of a. No, I have just a, a guy. That's I have a, I have a different. It's, it's, it's just a guy, asshole. Jaga. I have Jag. I have a different uh, description for it. Go on. But uh, it's taken those guys a while. Darius Geis does have the advantage of being a highly drafted running back, a second-round drafted running back, mm-hmm. over those guys. So maybe he gets involved a little bit sooner. Who is supposed to be a first-rounder. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but said, said and then said it didn't happen, that someone asked him if his mom was a hooker or something at one point. It, it probably happened. It probably did happen. But, and then he started falling. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah. and, and, and we always like the guy that also has a chip on his shoulder. And I like so him. Good situation, yeah, good landing spot, good situation, chip on your shoulder, that's good stuff. This is a guy, he's a character guy, he's like good, happy dude. I think that kind of backfired on him. They kind of felt like he was loosey-goosey, didn't give a shit about things, he's got his posse, he's got stuff, but he's like, this is a guy that I think is like a good, he's like a good dude. And I think it just kind of almost backfired on his, on his... Um, his conversational style. Yeah, well, you know, Geis is a guy who, before the season, was considered a better prospect uh, at the running back position than Saquon. So, he, Geis is locked into what looks to be a good workload. 
Um, you know, we think he has ability as a pass catcher that wasn't showcased at LSU. It's just not something their offense does. Look at Leonard Fournette pretty much doubling his production yep. in the NFL as opposed to in LSU. So, Geis is a guy I, I like. I, I just don't think I'm going to pay a middle-of-the-fourth-round price for him. I agree. I, I can't believe he's going that high. But I remember us talking before the draft and agreeing – and you had a lot more experience in watching him uh, in his days at LSU than I had. But when I put on the tape, his punt, re- his punt returns, his runs, everything he did was brutally punishing to the defense. Guys, absolutely is slices these guys. And he is, if I was to say, we know Saquon Barkley was bona fide, bona fide number two pick. If I was to put game tape between him and uh, Geis together, I'm taking Geis. Because yeah. he fucking destroys people. People are scared to fucking get in his way. And if they get in his way, he shatters them. Yeah. All right. Let's well, move on. Let's move on to James Washington going to Pittsburgh in the second round, 60th overall pick. James Washington is the guy I have with the most fantasy points among rookie wide receivers. Love it. Uh you know, I think he's a pro-ready prospect. I think he joins a team that needs that third sort of wide receiver that also needs his skill set, his ability to go down the field vertically and stretch a defense after trading away Martavis Bryant. Get a no-nonsense fucking version of Martavis Bryant who can convert in the red zone and who can, you know, get down the field and take the top off of defense. And, he, and happens to have been... Getting all those yards in college with the success, successor of Big Ben and a Mason Rudolph. The guy is going. He's going to be awesome. I love. I love your call. I agree with you. I what mean, you I said. think he's locked into ninety or ninety-five targets, which is not something many of these rookie wide receivers can say because that role is sort of just etched out right there for him. We've seen Martavis do it and just be a little bitch about it the entire time. Now he's going to come in here and be like. Okay, I got you. Well, and, and isn't it the ultimate? It's like it, it's this old school organization, Rooney's, right? That Martavis is still on the team, and we're gonna fill your spot. No, he's gone. <laughs> he's in open. Is he? Oh, yeah. no, he was traded on the second day of the, or on the first day of the draft. First uh, day of the first draft. First day of the And but but how they wouldn't trade him last year, you know. It's old school. They did it right. I think. They did it right. No, they did. They thought they were, they thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl and they needed him yeah. last year. Didn't happen. They're like, all right, we can get fucking James Washington. Um, yeah, he, he's sick. Watching that guy play, he doesn't look like a wide receiver. He's got these high shoulders. But he cut, even watching some of the OTA action from this week, he's made some sick fucking grabs in what I, when I, when I saw him. Just uh, light tape. I love, I love this call. I'm, I love, I think I like Gallup a little more on on, on full on points this year. Not because I think he's better, but I just think volume. Yeah, I, I just think talent wise, they don't have enough there for a good team. Uh, but yeah, I love, I like, I love to hear that. I didn't even know that James Washington was your uh, main dude. Bar, night or day, sometime. Charlie. 
Moving on to the next guy, DJ Shark going to Jacksonville. Uh, Shark's a crazy height lay specimen in himself, but he just seems to be in a very crowded wide receiver situation. That seems like a bad pick. It's not even crowded, right? It's just murky. Like, there's no one there that's established. It's Dante Moncrief, it's Keelan Cole, it's Marquise Lee, you know, and, and DJ Shark. But who there is a number one? Can anyone establish themselves? Like, I, I think Lee's going to sort of always be what Lee is. A, a how, much faith, how much faith do you have in the quarterback position? And they're going to center around the run game. Damn right. But... You know, Bortles is a guy who likes to take deep shots. DJ Shark can take the top off of defense. Uh, so I, I like that fit, but I just prefer Keelan Cole in his second year right now and the chemistry they were able to provide. Uh, if you guys haven't you know uh, if you guys haven't done it, check out Pyrostag's Twitter account. Uh, that's at Py- Pyrostag. Um, check out his poem on Keelan Cole. And uh, it's it's an interesting one. I loved uh, I loved reading. I was like, it was a whole new side of stag party that I had never that seen. It wasn't very good, it, but it, it actually was very good. The fact that you did it was good, and that's what you got to know because you want to know what people judge shit a lot. And whenever they judge shit that I do, and it happens a lot, whether it's friends, family, Twitter, social media, I ask, what do you have that I can critique? <laughs> And when I do that, they have no answer. And I say, I have a lot to critique. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, I genuinely love that poem, Stag Party. Amen to you. Thanks, man. All right, well, before we, before we get somewhere else, let's go ahead and keep the lights on. Listen to this poem. It's probably about, like, Asperger's or something. <laughs> Stags, when you jump in there, it's hard for me to find it. Uh, let's let's go. Just delete it all. No. <laughs> delete it all. Kill it all. We're fine. Okay. Who's um, next? I'll find it. <laughs> let's, go to the, let's go to the third round. Let's go to Royce Freeman. You know, joining the Denver Broncos. He, like... Good landing spot. Ooh. Royce Freeman is the guy who had the highest... Pre-draft to post-draft ADP jump in NFL sure. tens. You know, after the cut of CJ Anderson in the drafting of you know Royce Freeman, he looks like a guy who can jump in there. D'Angelo Henderson's a guy who hasn't really proven himself. Devontae Booker's sort of you know yeah. been crappy as a runner, but decent as a receiver. I'm actually big on Devontae Booker uh, because I know he's a receiver, and I think I can get points out of that on the cheap cheap. With where his price is in MFL 10s, mm-hmm. go, going in the 12th or 13th round. And he's had some of those glimpses. You've seen, had some of those glimpses. You've seen that. He can carry the big workload when asked. Like, so I, I like that, but you know, if Royce Freeman stays healthy, it's hard not to say this guy's getting 240 or so carries, and he's a guy who can catch passes. Yeah. And he's a guy who's a good pass blocker. He never really needs to come off the field. I don't think he gets every snap because we don't think anybody – just getting every snap, but if he can get you know 
a 50 to 60% of the workload. He might get 65, 70%. That's insane. Well, no, you're, you're maybe not talking about, I'm not talking about from the entire season, but no, you're talking good. about the last seven games of the year, he could have that workload. When do you need it? In your fantasy playoffs. When are those? Those last six, seven games of the year is when you need him. So, also, talk about landing spot. You have a veteran quarterback. Uh, you have veteran wide receivers. You, you have a, an amazing defense that's going to keep you in games, that's going to let you be able to rely on the run, run game, the not, have to, not have to abandon the run game when you're down. Run the clock. So you're, you're going to have opportunities, and he'll have more than some other guys that got drafted into different situations. I feel like he's out of running in a running back situation, just one of the few bona fide number one RBs that's a rookie. There's a handful of them. He's one of them. Uh, and the one thing that I like, what Stag said, and what we're talking about, the way the rookies that can catch the ball, are, doesn't matter what they did, and he went to Oregon, one of the best programs in the country, um, what, it's a different day. In his, uh, last year, he caught 80 of 89 passes thrown his way. Pretty good. That's uh, pretty, pretty good. Last two years? No, that in college, sorry. Oh, that was okay. in college, while in college, sorry. Uh, 80 of 89. 80 passes by a running back. One year. He fucking was That's during his career. That's over Still, 93%. 90, only nine misses. Right. Only nine oh, okay. That's uh, So they, they got that. And I just, I just again, want to reiterate how important the catching aspect is with running backs these days. It's almost more important. It is more important because, well, the other thing is this. These guys all Can you pass catch and do you not fumble? Uh, Yeah. That combination, I think, is really where the sweet spot is. Yep. All right. Who are we going to next? Next we go to um, an interesting one. Definitely not a play for this year, but uh, what are your long-term prospects for Mason Rudolph? No. (laughs) Not. I mean, Mason Rudolph, I think, could develop into a pretty good... Backup quarterback, like he could be, like if called upon, I think he's more of a backup than he is a bona fide starter. But you know, for a team who's lost Big Ben for games, you know that that could be a good thing in the short term. I, I think he's a guy who likes to attack down the field. I just question his short to intermediate accuracy. Um, but overall, I, I have more questions than answers. But you know, two or three years developing in Pittsburgh's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. I, I, I just, again, it's more of a long shot, right? This is exactly what you're looking at. Are you going to take the chance on it? If there's an organization I would take a chance on it with, this is one of the ones, one of the one of the seven, eight organizations that you're like, okay, if you're going to stash a guy and try and build him up, I, I'll, I'll trust what you got going on. Uh, just because you have stability and, and you have, you know, Le'Veon Bell, though, by the time he actually steps in, is Le'Veon Bell still going to be there? That's a different question. Is Antonio Brown going to be there? Could be a whole different team. So that reasons alone, unless you're just believing in them being able to keep restocking the shelves, you can't base it on what Big Ben has done over yeah. the last decade. That's those players. These players are all fading away. So, yeah. and you can't you can't think that in two years even. Antonio Brown's going to be on his uh, on his seventh straight 1,000-yard season, and he's ready to do his eighth with Mason Rudolph. You know, exactly. The, move, the league moves quickly. Well, let's, let's move quickly on. as well. So 
The next player that was I taken, love this guy. So take it over for Des Bryant. So you want to talk yeah, about like it, it's just all about what's your opportunity. You have every opportunity here with Dallas right now. They, they just cleared the shelves for you, and the guys that are left, none of them are anything worth anything. And didn't uh, is there been any repercussions yet for Terrence Williams and his uh, no. his his uh, uh, Lance Briggs incident with yeah. his Lamborghini? Lance. <laughs> Lamborghini, Ferrari. Why is it always the Lamborghini that they crash and leave? Yeah, such idiots. Um, I here's got what, nothing. Here, I, I, all I'll say with you take him. Yeah, all I'll say. No, with, I do have something. Uh, I'll go first. All I say with Gallup, and I'm not going to give anything other than perfect landing spot. Just a, I think an awesome wide receiver who, who's got a great uh, future ahead of him. My only fear is that honestly, right now. He might be the wide receiver one on the team, yeah. and I just don't know if he's going to be able to get things done at an NFL level when you've got the other team's best cornerback focused in on you. I think it's going to be a good career. I think he's going to be a good player. I hope. I don't think he's the speediest guy. I think he's more of a crafty fella. But I can see this year being not so nice to him, and honestly, I think the whole... Uh, the whole the whole thing right now they've got going on with Dak is just like we don't need a wide receiver one. We're gonna really get the ball around. We don't want this stuff. But I think uh, as much as I like Gallup as the pick and for the for the team, and hopefully he'll surprise me. And I think he'll have a couple good games when he's locked down. He's fucked. Now, like you say, I think my quick bit on this is I don't like the direction that Dak is going. I don't know what they're doing with him. They're not, they're, you know, you're taking Des away. You're not giving him anything else. I think it's going to be, now you lost Jason Witten. You didn't replace that. It's going to be the Ezekiel Elliott show. Teams are going to focus on it. Dak is going to end up running a lot more this year. He'll score a lot more points because of his legs than he will because of his arm. Go ahead, Stan. I don't disagree with that. Um, yeah, but for Michael Gallup, man, like, I think Alan Hearns is a little bit underrated in that offense. I think that guy's getting, you know, 18% of the targets. A de facto number one. Yeah, he's going to end up a de facto number one with over 100 targets, and I think you could draft him late. Michael Gallup, you know, I think he's going to have to battle. I think Hearns is, you know, battle-tested. He's going to come out and you know, sort of show up. So I, I definitely like that, you know, mix. But, you know, I think he's going to be involved, but... I don't know if the fantasy points are going to fly off the board. No, I don't but see. I, I, like he's another guy I don't have projected for nearly, you know, ninety targets. I, I give him this though. He is a big guy, right? So he's six foot one. He's over two hundred pounds. He'll have a chance to potentially be the new guy, the red zone guy, right? Because Alan Hearns, I don't know that you look at Alan Hearns. He's got a double-digit touchdown season. I know he does, but it was done differently. I don't, I don't know that it was that, that I, I really look at Alan Hearns as being, okay, here's my fade wide receiver in the end zone. Here's Fade is trash. Here's, okay, here's my corner route. Here's my back of the end zone. Whatever corner one you want to run, I don't see Alan that. Hearns is 6'3", 201. He, so he's, he plays smaller, though. It's he's like, a vertical threat. I mean... I, I, I know, but, but Hearns has never been a go up and get a guy. That, that's the thing. It's like he's been more of a speed with the size. And I think you'll get a lot from Michael Gallup that you would have gotten from Des Bryant. Like those yeah. similar type of plays. I do too. I think he's not. I think Gallup's, Gallup reminds me of Dak Miss a lot of those. That's going to happen too. <laughs> Gallup reminds me of Adams, Devontae Adams. He's not fast. He, he, I, think he, I feel like he's a great red zone. 
a great. Uh, uh, he's not fast, but it, he reminds me of Devonte Adams out of college. Devonte Adams obviously has gone ballistic. He's got Aaron Rodgers, but he he has a lot of that desert. Well, the next guy on the list was Mark Andrews. We already talked about him. I think he outscores Hayden Hurst, but I agree. I will. I think we all don't think Hayden Hurst is the offensive guy. He's more of a blocker, don't we? Uh, they're expecting him to be a pretty big impact player in that offense. I'm pretty not sure about that. I don't disagree with okay. you. <laughs> Why do you spend a fucking first round pick? So, yeah. well, let, let's go ahead and let's move to... Um, Bell Birdies! Smith joined the New Orleans Saints. A great landing spot for this year. A great landing spot, maybe. I mean, because they added Cam Meredith. You know, they've got Michael Thomas, uh, you know, who looks pretty established right now. Um, but Cam Meredith coming out of the injury. Yeah, he's not saying this year. They say he's a, ahead of the schedule. They say he's way ahead of schedule. He's already out there. Their terms. Way ahead of schedule. And the Bears passed him. They paid him nothing. Uh, but Willie Steed is gone as well. Yeah. Um, but Traquan Smith is probably their Ted Ginn, Robert Meacham type deep ball receiver in the end. He's yeah. you know a six foot two, two hundred pound wide Robert receiver. Robert Meacham. Did that just yeah? That's back old memories. I was like, why couldn't you just say Devery Henderson? <laughs> oh, <fuck you. laughs> uh, he, he's a four four nine guy. But he can get down the field, and he's got burst, man. And he's got long arms. Like, this is a guy they expect to be a field stretcher in this in seasons to come. So while, you know, Tedkin's there this year and, you know, showed a lot of, you know, chemistry with Breeze and caught some deep passes when called upon, uh, Traquan's probably going to eventually be his replacement, and I like that. Uh, he's a guy, you know, take a shot on in, you know, second rounds of drafts. So... Uh, rookie drafts, excuse me. But overall, year one impacts, it's hard to see more than you know, 50 or 60 targets going this guy's way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, well, you know, you're not going to see the With Michael Thomas there, and maybe you have one one potential, unfortunately it's not going to play into his, uh, to his benefit, is that Mark Ingram's going to be missing the first four games of the season. But unfortunately, he's not going to have a big role in the first four games of the season. Uh, where that's going to make the, the impact that it could have if it happened later. Jordan Atkins for Houston. You've got... Um, is he on the Atkins diet? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is he going to be signed by the Jordan brand? Who knows? Central Florida. Two Central Florida guys in a row, actually. Uh, Trey Quan Smith and then uh, Jordan Atkins. Here's what I'll say. CJ Fedorowicz, Fedorowicz, Retired. Too many concussions. Yep. You had him in your uh, tears. Um, and Jordan Atkins might have. Ryan, what is it? Ryan Griffin or Jordan Or Steven Anderson, who my bet is. but Yeah, you know, and, and, and Anderson. But yeah. it's another rookie tight end who's not really proven. And, you know, you know, at UCF, you know, his high season was 32 receptions. Like, he's an H-back type you know, move tight end that, you know, is sort of limited. But, you know, he can get down the field 
15.1 yards per catch, 16.1 yards per catch in his last two years. So he's going to maybe do some you know, Gerald Everett type things his first year. Hey, it's going to be a long-term play, but this guy is more the athletic move type for the position. And isn't it the right type of offense you want to be in? This is a stretch the ball down the field type of an offense. Quarterback that takes chances. Quarterback that can extend plays. Gives you opportunities. And look, look how many... It, it, no one ever drafted Ryan Griffin for how many years? He put up points a lot of time. They were they were slight, but I hear you. No, no, no. It was runs of four weeks where it's like then he then everyone waited and then they then they pick him up off the waiver wire and then they don't get the points for him. I know, I know. But if you, if you had him on your team, you're starting. But that was time, with Matt Shaw. You were not happy. That was with Matt Shaw. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is Deshaun Watson. We'll see. Do you like him? No. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not hot landing. <laughs> it's not a hot landing spot. I'm he's right. I'm it's not it, like long term. It's hard to see how he carves out a role. Um, you know, maybe it's like a long shot. It's a, this is a project type pick. They must have liked something to use a third rounder on him. Maybe they saw something on how Deshaun's or they knew that Spider-Man was, was was on his way out and they needed to fill the, the role. Yeah. Concussions. All right, let's quick. We're not, I mean, I don't even want to say anything about Ian Thomas. I got really nothing to say about Ian Thomas. You know, he's he's a pretty good receiver. You know, he's had some impact, but. Uh, Out of Indiana, went tight end for Carolina. Is this Olsen's replacement? It, it's a long-term play. He's sort of a similar body type, six foot five, two forty-eight. Uh, you know, scored five touchdowns in the Big Ten last year in an offense that isn't really throwing it all over the field. It's another project play that you're hoping to develop a guy behind a sort of established player in Greg Olson, who, you know, the next tight end to retire to take a fucking broadcasting job is going to be Greg Olson. Did you guys see uh, Greg Olson won't have to get a, a, a hair, hair transplant? Did you guys see the picture? For the uh, Monday Night Football for Jason Witten. He's got a full head of hair. I don't know whether it was Photoshop just to make him look good uh, or if he did the restore or locker Sandberg thing. <laughs> but uh, we'll find out. Kiki Kuti. <laughs> I love the name. Yeah. Kiki Kute is a wide receiver from Texas Tech, uh, you know, in an air ride style offense. Uh, can play, you know, probably a slot position for them, you know, behind, you know, Bruce Ellington. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, a, another sort of project, but he's a guy who, after the catch, can make some things happen. Um, but, you know, John Watson, maybe maybe he does that, you know, the slot plays, click passes that Austin Renfro did for him, you know, at Clemson. So I'm uh, looking forward to Kiki, but it's it, like limited year one impact. Like I'm, it's not going to be much, if you had to ask me. All right, now you got Naheem Hines. Is, is that is this kind of a similar name to the uh, lead character in Roots? Kintakute? <laughs> Wait, either that or I was going to go back. It's not supposed to Kiki Vandaway. Fair enough. I like that. So that that's where I was going first, but. Naheem Hines, okay, so Hines, 
love him. <laughs> he made it. It was great. Love him. Uh, pissed me off as a Bulls fan when he was on the Knicks. Um, Naheem Hines goes to Indianapolis. So you lose Frank Gore. It's Marlon Mack. But Marlon Mack, we like all of his upside, but he hasn't proven anything yet. So there's no reason to sit here and go that, oh, they're just going to give every carry to Marlon Mack. I think they're going to look for a group attack here. I think Hines has a chance to come in and, and steal some of maybe Mack's thunder uh, as a receiver. Maybe. That's where you're betting as a receiver. This guy, you know, had 13.7 collegiate target share. He was involved as a pass catcher in the offense. He's a 4'3", 8'40 guy uh, who can move, but he's only 5'8", 198 pounds. Um, so this isn't a guy I'm going to be expecting to, you know, shoulder a workload. Like, if he has... You know, you're betting on like a Darren Sproles-type impact. Darren Sproles, Theo Riddick, uh, yeah. Dion, yeah, not even Dion Lewis. That's what you're, yeah, that's what you're yeah, looking yeah. for. And the offense, you know, now under Doug Peterson, it, it's going to be varied. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Naheem Hines allows them to do that. We saw how they used Sproles last year. We saw how they used Corey Clement last year as well. Uh, that's the sort of idea you're looking at with Naheem Hines. Nice. We're it is the Ramadan, so we, you were in you were in on brand. One thing I will say is that this guy, he had a thousand yards last season um, at Carolina, North Carolina State, and he had twelve touchdowns. So I think he is one of those guys, those smaller dudes that I agree with you. I, I think he, you're relying on the catches. He's definitely not a, a lead bell cow back, but I. I think with what Indy has currently, I think you can see him getting more carries in uh, hopefully in interesting ways than you would imagine. So I don't think he's just only a what his speed says that, his size says that. Um, even I think Tariq Cohen last year, I think he was able to do some interesting things when he ran the ball. So hopefully, that's a good count. Hopefully, hopefully the Colts will use him in that he seems like a player to me that's uh, going to be in the league for uh, a while. Yeah, I, I think he's... I don't know what, how they carves that niche. I think he's I don't got think a, it's a rookie, niche, right? I don't think it's rookie year. He's he's like a viable fantasy guy, but he seems like a guy that might... That's I mean, he, he could be your Tariq Cohen if, you know, in your rookie leagues, he could be a guy you pick up and, you know, he's a bi-week flex replacement, maybe a little bit more. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think he's a second, third-round pick in regular rookie drafts. Um, next guy is Antonio Callaway, wide receiver out of Florida, who the Cleveland Browns. He's another sort of field stretcher, average 19.4 yards per catch his freshman season at Florida. But really, you know, he's got some problems and character issues and all that stuff that he needs to get cleared up. But when he's on the field, you know, he can get down the field, especially with some quarterbacking issues they had at Florida. But this is a guy who runs a 4-4-1 at 200 pounds. He can move. Uh, and when you get the ball in his hands early, he can do some things. And there's you know, talk, unfortunately, of Corey Coleman being on the trade block. And this could be a guy who maybe ascends the depth chart a little quicker than people think if a trade like that were to happen. Because he provides that, you know, a little bit of more dynamicism. I'd love to see Corey Coleman to get traded from that team and go somewhere that he can do something. Um, next guy, I, I got nothing to say on him. I don't think we should talk about him much. Uh, do you see him su- successing Eli Manning? 
No. Ah. Wait, I was I was going tight end. Christopher oh. Hearn in the fourth. Oh, let's I'll move on. I like your guy. Let's let's not. Even, we don't even need to talk about that guy. Um, right, Kyle. Kyle Oletta. Yeah, uh, Christopher Herndon. Don't know much, but he's another. He's a big dude. Uh, it, it's going to be a long-term project. Kyle Oletta. Uh, you know, this is a guy who a lot of people were fans of. He slipped to the fourth round. Uh, you know, he's an interesting you know pick because. He could distribute the football, and if you put playmakers around him, it, it, it could be good times because he's an accurate decision maker who gets the ball out quick. Reminded a lot of people of Jimmy Garoppolo with the quick release uh, and ability to process. They they said he's looked good as a processor early here in OTAs, so that that's something that's going to look forward to. Because right now behind Eli Manning, there's nothing like this. Yeah. This is you know people want to go out and say. That, that they do have something in. You know, what about Davis Webb? Davis Webb. Davis <laughs> Webb. And I can't it just that. sucks that Eli Manning's going to try and do the uh, Tom Brady thing. Be like, yep, playing in my 40s. But you sucked other mo- for the most part. No, unless you, I, I want to know what the... Unless you're in the, play, in, champion, in the Super Bowl against Brady. I want the all-time worst teams for, like, franchise history based on drafts, right? So it's like, you know, who was, like, the worst... Not, not free agent pickups or things like that. Who was the guys that you drafted? So, like, the Bears are starting, you know, Cade McNown with Curtis Enos in the backfield. and Marcus, the Rob, Marcus Robinson. You actually had a good deal. Carolina. We want the all-time draft bust list for each team. By, by position. So, it's like, who that is? So, it's like, you know, you're just talking about, uh, who were we just talking about? It was like, uh. Made me think of it, uh, Kyle Aletta. Eli. Oh, Eli. Manning. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, Giants pick. I don't know. I just started thinking about bad draft picks. I'm like, oh, well, well, still, well, yes, you got it. That's your assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I hate coming we to the podcast. I always get myself more work. <laughs> we should do. Yeah, sounds great. Do it. <laughs> Let's it. move on to Mark Walton, uh, running back out of Miami. Got drafted by Cincinnati. The Waltons. Good night, John Boy. Got drafted by Cincinnati. Unfortunately, they good night. Good night. Sorry, keep going. We're doing the power through. They look locked into uh, Joe Mixon as their top running back, uh, and then Gio Bernard is going to be their spellback, and that's something he does well. So Walton's going to be locked into a third, uh, third back on the roster type role. Maybe he steps up as a runner or a rusher and plays back up to both of these guys. But for fantasy viability, it's going to take injuries. Handcuff? If you no. play, if you're deep and you, and you grab a Mixon, Mixon's going early, dude. Uh, yeah, Mixon's going early, but I think that's a situation where if he goes like, down. It's not. I, it's I not think you might see a lot more Gio Bernard and then a little bit of Walton as the spellback. All right, and, so they'll, and they'll end up picking up uh, like uh, uh, Brian Hill, like they did last year. Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill. No, that's we'll come back to the team. Like a Jack Jack to the guy. Belichick guys and dogs gets picked up. Anyway, so the next Let's guy. You already talked yeah. about this next guy, but you like this next guy, Deshaun Hamilton. I mean, I think there he's an interesting prospect because he's a savvy route runner and he knows how to create separation. Uh, you know, going to Denver though, we talk about how it, it even in the young group, it's sort of a crowded receiving core. So, so that's the worry overall. Is I, I can't carve out a year where 
you know, he makes an impact. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a two-year down the road dealio. Uh, next next player. Uh, Will Disley. He's expected to be a blocking tight end for Seattle. We, we talked about how they want to open up room for Rashard Penny with, you know, heavy sets and running out of them. Uh, I expect him to play some snaps, but not be a big impact player. Uh, go, on to the next, go on to the next Durham Smythe. Durham Smythe's another tight end who's probably a blocker because this team also drafted Mike Gusecki. Can't really project uh, really any offensive touches. You know, maybe he gets 20 targets on a season, um, you know, especially early, but it, it's not good. Next guy, uh, Edo Smith, who the only thing I know about him is literally his parents. Called, named him Ito because he looked like Judge Ito during the O.J. Simpson trial. Well, number one, you're talking about landing spot. Is it a good landing spot to be in Atlanta behind Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman? Doesn't sound like well, it. Well, long-term it is. Well, no, no, right. is Some, someone's someone's leaving. Someone's leaving, right. Well, Tevin Coleman's free agent after this year. Right, that's what I mean. This year, not so much. Well, Ito's a, like, 5'9", 190-something pound, maybe 200-pound uh, running back. He's on the smaller side. You're, you're hoping that he develops into a third down pass catching type role. You know, he's not particularly explosive. He's 40 times, you know, four or five, uh, which isn't, you know, great for his size. Uh, but you're, you're hoping for that kind of Naheem Hines type role. We talked about Darren Sproles, Theo Riddick, those kinds of players where he's maybe a premier pass catcher out of the backfield. But hard to see year one impact, and really with Devonta Freeman locked in long term, it, it's hard to see much more than him you know, ascending to maybe being a third down back. Yeah. Until, unless Tevin Coleman made Even that, even that. No, no, Freeman. No, exactly. He's either a Tevin Coleman role in the ceiling if Tevin leaves, and if not, uh, I don't even see Tevin Coleman as a ceiling. Tevin Coleman's. He's, he's, he's overperformed. No, that role. Big rushers, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's. Okay, I, I phrased that wrong. He could be replacing Tevin, but not as good. I agree with you. Tevin Coleman. Don't expect awesome. to get the production that you yeah. out of him that you got out of Tevin Coleman. But he'll have that role. Yeah, but it'll be a much lesser role. Because, yeah. Coleman was actually lesser drafted before Freeman. That, that, that was that whole thing. So, you know what? Look, we're, we're what are we at? About two we're hours five, and 45 minutes in here. We're five. No, no, let's. Uh, let's just hit on some. Read on the guys that you guys think are the last hot hits. Well, Khalid. Kaylee Milage, uh, who's actually next on the list. Yeah, guys. I think we're still in a spot where we're good, but we're yeah. about to, we're, that's going to teeter. I mean, we're at the out. end of the fourth round here, so it's going to teeter out. Probably good. Yeah. I, I, uh, so Kaylee Milage is a guy you know who people always wanted more from, but you know, in a team with an old Frank Gore and Kenny Drake, who's you know proven himself for four or five weeks. There, there's a chance for this guy either to step up into a big change of pace role, you know, be a pass catcher, as that's something he sort of excelled at before. But he's also another big, strong, fast dude at the running back position. Uh, one of these athletes that really has lived up to the hype to this time. But, you know, if you can find a way to deploy him correctly, which I'm not sure Miami's deploying anybody correctly right now, um, he could make an impact. So that's a guy I like a little bit later and 
you know, unless you're betting on Frank Gore coming in and just getting 200 carries, if Kenyon Drake gets injured. Now, he had his great swan song with Indianapolis. I think he was a, a consummate pro there. This is basically him going back home to Miami to, to, to where it all started in college, round it out, finish it out back home, and retire into the Let's Miami, be honest, into the Miami sun, sunrise. Drake is the guy there. Are you excited about no. drafting Drake? No. And his, and I'm, not I'm not paying the price. I'm not excited about anybody no. Because of Gore, yeah. but also because Baelish, his, his, his um, comp is Drake. So it's almost like you've got another guy that is plays the same game as Drake does. Baelish, remember? I remember we talked about this before the draft happened that this guy was going to be a freak. He was going to knock his socks off. He was even going to outdo uh, Barkley and whatever. He didn't really do that. Obviously, he, he did, did well, well in moments. He did well. did well in moments, but he wasn't the freak in nature that everyone expected. All I know is his name is Baelage. Right? Yeah. It should be Bellage. The Bellagio? No, just Bellage, man. What's Bellage? It looks, sounds better than Belag. What I think it is Bellage. No one said it was Bella. Literally, no one said that. What were you saying? No one said Bella. Belag? No. Belash. Yeah. No, what are you saying? You said something different than I did. Holy shit. Oh, shit, shit. This is what we're doing now. Okay, but here's I don't want to talk about Jaleel Scott unless you got anything. But the next guy, I love. Well, Jaleel Scott's another tight end playing wide receiver, so. The next guy? Jamon Moore, Green Bay Packers got him out of Mizzou. This is up. I, I don't know why I guess I watch KU games, but I've seen this fellow play on Mizzou. I'm sh- I'm shocked. He, he had a low score, uh, low speed in his uh, forty time. This dude is legit. He's the best Mizzou wide receiver they've had since um, Cooks. Sorry, Cooks is not the right answer. Um, <laughs> but he's different. Uh, Oh, Wasn't he on LSU? No, 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 no. This guy. No, Dora Greenbacher started his career at Missouri, and then transferred to Oklahoma, where he never played a game. Got drafted in the early second he round. He went to Missouri, but he's not. Nah, he's nothing like that guy. He's more. I'm fuck it. Don't matter. Sorry about the comp. The guy rules. This guy watches film. Honestly, what? I, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching. And he's he drafted in the fourth round, and his quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. I'll tell you right now, this guy is so much better than Randall Cobb. You got fucking Nelson that's gone. We know the role and how awesome fucking Adams is. This guy is going to be a producer. I think... This year. I think there's a lot of fantasy impact implications with the Packers because they drafted multiple wide receivers. Three of them, yeah. And last year they drafted this multiple running backs. Yeah. I mean, they drafted... And they all did good. And a few of them did good. People love Equanimous St. Brown... Uh, people, you know, even though Javon Moore was drafted higher by the same team, people are drafting Equanimous St. Brown higher in rookie drafts. So, but you know why, right? Because he looks like Randy Moss. He catches like Randy Moss. He went. To, he was. A, he was a Randy Moss clone. Like went to Notre Dame. He's six this, foot five and fast. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fast. The, I, this I guy. That. This guy on the field is. A producer. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying I'm sort of wrong. I'm like, just saying that. When an NFL team, you know, takes you in the fourth round, two rounds before 
they take uh, Equinemus St. Brown, and then they take another guy in Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling over you, who's also another size speed freak. Uh, I think that says something about you a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I would draft them in the order that they were drafted by the NFL. Um, that's all I got there. And I love, I love, I just love this guy. Watch the Mizzou tape on him, and it's ridiculous. I did call Zay Jones a Hall of Famer last year. Big mistake. I was this guy, to go away with that. But this so. guy is, this guy is, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't give a shit. I call it the way it is. I make my mistakes. I take my lumps. But when I call it right, it looks good. Chase Evans, good. next guy, uh, he's the immediate backup to David Johnson. They don't really have anybody else on the roster. Uh, so it, it's going to be, if you're handcuffing right now, it's got to be Chase Edmonds. I don't like handcuffing to begin with until late in the season, but we no roles, and we know the guy who's first like, overall pick in your draft might be good I, I, to he, back that David up. Johnson is for me. Yeah, he's my number one overall running back. Back that up in so, the yep. in the sixteenth round. Or I hate handcuffs. We all do, but there's but if certain, you have a, if there, are, the there one, are those situations where it's idiotic not to do it because David Johnson goes down in week six, and you're seventh in the waiver wire, and Somebody picks that guy up. That's more annoying than having a player you're going to drop. And then you have to trade someone else on your roster to fill the hole. Yes. A couple other guys I want to mention: Darius Fountain in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, outside of Ty Hilton, the rest of the wide receiver depth chart is suspect. You know, maybe, trash. Maybe led by Ryan Grant. Uh, trash. So this is a guy who's a big. You know, jumper, leaper, who can, who's a go up and get a guy. So that could be good. You know, his closest probably athletic comp is Josh Josh Dotson. Uh, so he goes in the fifth, but maybe he provides that sort of touchdown ability. You know, from year one, and if Andrew Luck can get back, you know, long term, you know, things will be looking up for that guy. Uh, another guy I'd probably talk about Jalen Samuels. Now, Jalen Samuels. I love him if he's drafted in the leagues as a tight end because I think he's going to you know, be a backup to um, Le- Le'Veon Bell. And so I think he's going to be a backup to Vance McDonald. I think he's going to play all over the field. So but this you, guy is multiple position, versatile. Tight end, is, tight end is the best designation. Well, yeah, because tight end's trash. Right, when exactly. I get a running back to play tight end, it, it's a huge it's, thing. It's yeah. sort of good. Like, especially. Like Montgomery and, 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 well, the other thing is a wide receiver when he's a running back. Well, the other thing that we yeah. know, the, the, all of the uh, fantasy websites are very slow to make any type of season changes. Well, yes, I mean, and it differs from site to site to site. That's right. That's that no your league. Damn, no right. your platform. Um, all right, got anything else on that guy? Uh, one of the dude that I like, Javon Wims, that we got in the last round, the Bears. Is it because of this? This is Matt, right? Good-looking guy, great sense of humor, really bulky. Hmm? Uh, well, ripped. Strike that. Jacked, irrelevant, toned, exaggeration. I work out. I love it. Okay. Sort of. It is. It is some of those reasons, but <laughs> the guy is—he was a bona fide wide receiver one on one of the top three teams. Uh, Georgia, and he went out last year in the championship. 
obviously had some injury issues. I don't know what the other injuries are, but he went. We got him in the seventh round. Yeah, this guy literally if he came out last year. Would have been a second or third rounder. He's got that body. He's got. Um, he's got family and and and. and uh, the lineage of an NFL player, and we got him in the last round. And yeah, I like. I he like provides at least more depth than anybody else has for the Bears the last couple of years. Right, as a Bear fan, I feel like he's the camera person. <laughs> the guy who's been one of our most productive and most hated players in town, Josh Bellamy. Yeah, but. That's because he's awful. Exactly. He's a 6'3". If Bellamy is 5'8", sucks. We had a hair, horrible team, and he's actually getting plays and dropping touchdowns. Wims is a guy that was a highly recruited, on the, the best wide receiver on the team that went to the national championship. Got injured in the first quarter, and we got him at the end of the... Yeah, they're nothing similar. This is a guy that's a lot more <laughs> like Des Bryant than um, my butthole. <laughs> go wins, go. Okay, I got. You're fired up. You're a fan, right? I'm ready. Wins. I got a couple more. Go. So maybe it's not even a couple. Maybe it's just one. It when we talk about the running back position for the Indianapolis Colts, we talk about Naheem Hines. We talked about. Uh, yeah, I really like Matt, this guy. Mac Marlon Mac. Gore. Jordan Wilkins. Mm-hmm. He's another big body dude. It's 6'1, 217 pounds. Uh, he is he a will, hammer. And he'll be the vulture, is what you're saying. You're saying he's going to get himself 6'7 touchdowns. Well, he might be. If Naheem and Mac are both like these slight, right. slight catchers, this guy might be the guy that's one down first and second down, right? A Koye? Is he's a Koye? He's 6'1, 216, runs a 4'5'8. But what he did, you know, at Ole Miss, he averaged six and a half yards per carry. Uh, you know, he's good enough as a pass catcher. He's probably an average athlete across the board. But, you know, when you're not sold on a guy like Marlon Mack, and we know what Naheem's role is, yeah. this is a guy you could pick up late in dynasty drafts and redraft leagues who might provide impact. This is a guy... You ah oh, fuck! I said like this is a guy like eight times. Just it's okay. He's he's the guy who you're gonna want. Well, it's better than you saying no. This is a girl. I like it though. I, it's it's like, betting the other side of an unknown committee. Yeah, that's when you can really get fantasy points from a backfield. Is when the situation is murky. We don't know all the facts, and we'll never know all the facts. But that's when guys provide big fantasy. But the other thing is this, and this is what's great about a guy like this. He's got the size already, right? So the one thing is what happens is you have other people who you can do that when you go, oh, well, they drafted this guy earlier because he has a skill set, a.k.a. one of my other mistakes that you brought up, Meacham, I'll bring up Paul Perkins, a guy that was only Rashad Jennings in front of him. It was, it was like there was nothing that you had to worry about. It was no real challenge. But that was really did, just a weird whole thing. Did he, he, no, but did he have the ability to, to do that? No, but sometimes when you have... As you say, with Marlon Mack and you have with Naheem Hines, you have two guys that are very similar. Then you have this guy who's already got a hammer and he's already going to have his role kind of established for himself because no one else can touch that. 
And if he can build off of it and at that size at a four, five, eight, that's not horribly slow. And the other thing is that's in, in underwear. Let's see how you run in pads. Let's see how you run after you have first contact. Let's see how you run downhill and down. Can I be honest though? Can I be honest? As much as I want all these guys to be great, fighting for him right now. Unless Andrew Luck is the quarterback. And right now we don't know that. This is the team I want to stay farthest away from, and I love T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. And T.Y. Hilton was still able to, to, to produce. But right now, just as a face value, no matter rookie, established player, this is behind the Jets, I'd say. Yeah, no. But without Andrew Luck, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. We need some clarity there. Uh, give, uh, it, give it. You got any others? Yeah, yeah he's got more. Uh, John Kelly, I'm sorry, Eugenie's about to fall asleep. John, John Kelly's the best backup running back that Todd Gurley's ever had. Uh, he's a guy who can I run like this guy. And catch. So his ability to do both things could provide, you know, an element to this offense who, you know, was using Tavon Austin as their backup running back uh, for portions of last season. So now we can see John Kelly in that pass-catching role out of the backfield. And, and they really didn't do anything else, right? Yeah. And you think about this. This is a guy in Gurley, you know, is going to get the, uh, uh, what, 300 carries potentially? Like, would be that type of an old school yeah, running sure. back? Well, when you get that many carries, you got that many more chances to get hurt. And, and he has been hurt in the past. Yeah, and here's a guy. So if you're, looking, for if you're in, like, one of your leagues, D-Rex, with that rookie you got to play each week, why wouldn't you just take a shot and late draft John Kelly? Because, boom, all of a sudden... Either they're going to have to pick people up off the street, but I'm going to get at least 14 to 18 <laughs> touches. I like it. So, another one who joined Indy's wide receiver core, we, we talked about some others already, but Deion Kane is a guy who, you know, six foot two can run a 4 4 3. He's just a mover, field stretcher. Uh, he sort of came in early to cap Clemson, uh, and when he did, he provided some impact plays early in his career. Uh, it sort of mellowed out for him after that, and he never took the next step to being the next great Clemson wide receiver. Like many, like this guy was one of those high, high recruits uh, that people thought. What's was his great. name? Deion Kane. Like it. That people thought was going to show up in a big way, but uh, you know, long term, he's probably a project. But you know, there could be some things there. All right. Do we have anything else? We're running on 244. We talked about it. New England drafted Braxton Berrios, a wide receiver who's short and you know quicker than he is fast and just so happens to be white uh, that many are going to make you know, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, long-term college. Amendola. And Danny Amendola. Tony Nelson. All those type. No, he's, he's a mid-six. I know. I'm trying, I'm, trying to throw white, <laughs> I'm trying to throw white wide receivers at you. But Jordan Nelson's basically black. These other guys are white. Long-term. Did you see his commercial for the Wisconsin tour? Yeah. He's not black. Wisconsin. <laughs> Kansas. Kansas. It was the yellow brick. No, he was in Kansas, and he went to Wisconsin, and it was for... Wisconsin. It's like getting in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. You're in. You get in. You get out. You got to do Stripes as one of our future movies. All right, go stay. So Braxton Berrios is one of those guys who long-term could 
well, slotted nicely to a role. We don't know what their long-term quarterback situation where, where is. Where college is he go to? Miami. Uh, he's sort of highly productive, uh, and it, it just sort of is what it is. Like we we know what he's good at, and the Patriots know how to ask those things. You know, so uh, I like it. You know, he's a four. I love it. He's a four four nine guy. Can you know probably provide a little bit as a returner as well. Um, so I like I like the quickness and the in and out of breaks and the ability yeah. to create separations. All right, I got I got one more guy. You got a guy? Yeah. Well, guess what? You're Larry Bird. Larry Bird is the guy. <laughs> one of the great stories. If you're not watching Larry Bird shit, you're making a mistake. Larry Bird flew. You watch Larry Bird shit? <laughs> I have. I actually have. <laughs> you, you you were in a dual stool and in the stalls. No, I screwed. That's okay. awesome. I was screwed. One more. One other. Go for it. Boscar, bro. Dallas. I get. That's that Fucking was one. Are you going to Bo Scarborough Fair? I mean, I think Bo Scarborough. That seems really like. I like it. And so Bo Scarborough probably a backup to Ezekiel Elliott, who could play a hammer style Derrick Henry, Eagle Garrett Blunt type yeah. role. Uh, last one, Justin Jackson. You know, went to the Chargers, where they're fairly thin after Melvin Gordon. It's basically just Austin Eckler. Uh, and Brandon Oliver, who really hasn't chilled. Well, Brandon Oliver, guys are I can't nothing. believe that guy is still around. It feels like it was like, wasn't it like four or five years ago that he had that explosion? Uh, the ghost. God. Is it five years ago? Brandon, Brandon Oliver? Yeah. It forever ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a long time ago. I can't believe that guy is still who, What's this guy's name? Good for him. Cash got The, the, uh, the uh, charged guy? Uh, Justin Jackson out of Northwestern. And yes, then, I've seen that dude play a lot. I like that. That was a late night nice, good. And play. then finally, Trey Quinn, Mr. Rowan. Trey Quinn, Mike, Mike Trop, Stag Party's <laughs> equivalent of Mike Trop is closing, closing the Apple laptop. It's I done. Like it. I like it. Um, wait, wait, what kind of beer? Oh, I'm going to bring that chainsaw. Hey, you want to take a picture with it? No, we're on an investment. Do you have a camera? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what were you drinking? I'm drinking Stone IPA. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, Solemn Oath and All IPA. And the shit's pretty good. It's got that uh, New England frosty haziness, uh, but it doesn't have that dead taste. Stags, what were you drinking? Monster. Monster. It's summertime, but he's still on the monster. Blue low carb. <laughs> you know, I gotta keep it real. Nice. What well, was the, the music? The music. Kevin Morby. Literally, guys, if you love music like I do, you gotta check this guy out. All his albums are insane. I it just, I cannot. I found out about this guy about four months ago, and I feel like I missed out on the last five years he's been creating music. Unbelievable. Kevin Morby. The album is Singing Saw. The, uh, for opener song, opening song was Dorothy, and what we're gonna listen to now, which was upbeat and whatnot, what we're gonna listen to now is called Destroyer. And the layers this guy puts in the music is unbelievable. It's a mellow track, so we might want to turn it up a little bit, but God, listen to this guy, and he'll be in your town, and you'll go see him. No, I'm telling you. I know, you're, you're fired up. You're sounding. said this. Hold on. Before you That's how much I like him. Don't turn it up until it plays. But 
uh, preemptively. You you just sounded like I just love this guy. You so sounded much. like the, the the like the audio, which is uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It sounded like Charlie's notes. He'll be in town. You will go. It will be good. I thought he was enjoy be, show. I thought he was gonna say like <laughs> he's gonna be in town. You won't even know he was there. <laughs> You won't miss him. You won't I, 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 You won't be sad. <laughs> That's true. If he's in your town, you miss it. You'll be sad. I saw him at Dahlia Hall like, last month, and he's coming for West Fest. We'll go. And afterwards, he's playing at Empty Bottle. This guy's the greatest. Let's go. He's from KU. Or not. He's from Kansas. Not Let's go. Good intro. Intro. Hi, KU. Hi. Okay, oh, just play the music. Destroy. You've been really, you've been really on top of it. Stop talking, destroy.